Hey guys, brand new podcast with Chris Porter. First up, Birdie Boy Relapse Tour. We have added shows in Vegas, Phoenix, and Washington, D.C. for my birthday, November 3rd. Uh, and we've also added shows September 8th, Red Rocks. That's what's important. Oh, no, and we added shows in Vegas. Oh, that's, I just said that. I'm out of it. I'm fucking out of it. Uh, was back on stage this weekend for the first time, and it was absolutely fucking amazing. Thank you, everyone who came out to the Borgata. There were four amazing shows. I had more fun on stage than I've had in a very long, in 16 months. Um, so thank you, guys. I can't wait to do more of them. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's it, right? I mean, I feel like that. Oh, look who's got a mic over there. Happy 30th birthday to Halston Ray. Oh, thank you very much. Sibigini. Sibigini. Seveny. How do you say your last name? Seven E. Seven E. Yeah. Seven E. Like Chloe Seventy from Brown Bunny or whatever it's called. Um, did you have a good birthday? I had a blast. I went up to Washington. I went rafting and tubing with my fiance. My dad surprised me. I had all my buddies from high school drive up there, stay in a hotel. It was God. a blast. Good for you. 30. I remember when I turned 30, I wasn't drinking. I was sober. I was in a moo-moo. Uh, Leanne threw me a birthday party. My sister showed up to surprise me. I had blonde hair and I had no beard. I can't even picture you like that. I got a picture. I'll show it to you. It's gross. Um, 30 is the great Gatsby year. That's when you got to stop lying to yourself. Yeah. I think I reached a good point. I think like going into 30, I've already like corrected the mistakes of my early 20s and like just have been trying to be a better person this whole time. And so I think I feel like I'm in a really good place. And like, I think my 30s are going to be the shit. The shit. My 30s were very rough. They were very, very rough. 36 started getting better. 37, I, 36, I, I got on Travel Channel. 36, 37. 40 was, uh, I felt like I was, I felt like I had a footing in life at 40. And at 48, I've never been happier in my entire life. This is the happiest I've ever been. Yeah, 48 is probably the happiest I've ever been. So you have 18 years. I'm 18, 18 more years, years until I'm 18 happy. years. You can be my child. I never looked at you that way. Yeah, technically, right? I always thought we were the same age. That's odd. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are the show. Birdie, 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 happy birthday, Halston. Thank you very much. Everyone go give him a follow on Instagram. I'm sure there's a link in the, put a link for that. So everyone can go follow you. He's a great musician. Thank you. Um, the girls are working out next door. Can you hear it? I hope you can't. Maybe a little bit. A little bit. You'll hear cling, cling. Um, Birdie Boy Relapse Tour. Go to burpabert.com. Adding shows every week. Um, today's a great podcast. It's a great podcast with the one and only Chris Porter. We drink an entire bottle of Don Julio. Uh, it's a three-hour podcast. We get pretty drunk. I don't think we edited anything out. I don't think we had to. I think we said some, I don't know. I think we talked about Kid Rock. I think this was before the Kid Rock f-bomb by the way i get so confused when i say f-bomb because some people think f-bomb is fuck i think f-bomb is fuck f f word um i was watching jenna bush i'm sorry i know i've talked about this before i was watching jenna bush on uh the today show and she doesn't say fart she says f-word which i thought i think is fuck she was i was in this elevator with this guy and I, I I was in this elevator with this guy. My I was in this elevator with my husband, and I and and I f worded, and I was like, and I fucked. 
She goes, and then this other guy came in and we were like, oh my God, something like that. I wonder if someone could pull the clip. Not that it fucking matters. Jesus Christ, Burke, get to the podcast. It's a great podcast. You're going to love it. Chris Porter. Um, he is probably one of the funniest dudes working without a doubt. It's one of the hardest dudes working. He's li- he is living his best life. He is hard. You hear that? That's girl power in there and I'm paying for it just for the record. So, um, he's super into CrossFit, having a good time, hanging out with his friends, playing music, doing comedy. I'm jealous, man. I, I, I really, I watch his Instagram and he's one of the guys you don't mute. Apparently someone told me that everyone mutes each other. Someone just deadlifted something. Okay. It sounds like it was Isla. Um, did you ever think when I built a podcast studio that I'd have a gym next door to it that little girls would be working out in? No. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's he's he's. He, someone told me people go through Instagram and they mute people because they don't want to see their stories because it makes them jealous. I won't tell you who said that, but it, I thought that was really interesting. I don't mute anybody. Um, I don't mute anybody. I think if anyone's doing good, that inspires me to do better. Um, I can understand why people do mute people. Chris Porter is someone I would never want to mute because. I love his Instagram stories. He seems like he's so, having such a great fucking time all the fucking time. I might smoke a joint tonight. In honor of Chris's podcast. In honor of Chris Porter. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, without further... Did he have anything to promote? A man from Kansas, that special oh. that you just held up. Yeah. That's about it. Man from Kansas. The Great Seal. Admit me for free. Special thanks to mom, dad, Andy, Brock Porter, TJ Mark Walter, Brian Phillips, Brian Sarkin, nice, and you for buying this. So go get this album, get this, uh, get this. Uh, what is what is it called? A uh, uh, vinyl. Yeah, he's a great guy. I absolutely love him. You're gonna love the cop podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Porter. here's to you man i'm telling you i i i go back are we rolling i go back the littlest things in life matter the most to people and if if there's like a life lesson anyone can take away from today is that paying a genuine compliment to someone sometimes at the can hit them at the right time and you pulled me aside at the store i'll never forget this as long as i live (laughs) pull me aside the store and you say hey man i just watched your special i just want to tell you it's one of my favorite specials you did a great job yes secret time and it it and it was like right when you just start thinking like what am i doing like what's going on with my career and it was like a heartfelt and i was like dude i'll never forget that as long as i live like little tiny things yeah if more people could focus on just doing tiny things to help people fucking world would be in such a better place well and i meant it too like it's still top five for me man dude Uh, that is the biggest compliment in the world yeah. I remember I, I told you when we worked in Omaha, I've said this over a million times. I'll keep saying it. You're one of the best fucking comics in the business. You're oh, well, fucking that, amazing. That You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. You're amazing. Uh, well, here's to you. Cheers, oh, brother. And I just spilled all. I'm not. I may be a good comic. I'm a terrible drinker. Wow, that's nice. What is that? That is Don Julio 1942. <sighs> yeah. Tastes like success, doesn't it? It does. You know, Ron White quit drinking. Oh, yeah. Can you believe it? I guess once you start making it. (laughs) (laughs) 
you kind of go, you know what? Maybe, maybe I should not get high off my own supply. I mean, I, uh, that guy was a guy that drank and uh, he drank in a poetic artistic way. Yeah. He, I've always said this. He was like your cool uncle. Yeah. Oh, just the way he told, I mean, especially being from Kansas, I had like relatives from Oklahoma, which, you know, they just kind of sat back and told these stories and they always had a drink in their hand and just the way they used their, their vernacular, just their phrasings were so funny. And he, I just thought he was the epitome of, of that Southern gentleman esque. He's he, I remember going to his house, doing a podcast with me, had no idea who I was. And he came in smoking a joint and he had a, uh, he went over and poured a drink for himself. And he said, all right, we'll do it downstairs. Like very, very little small talk. Walk down. I'm talking about him like he's dead. He just quit drinking. That's <laughs> fuck it. And then he went. To, I think he quit comedy too. What? I think he quit comedy. I, I, I'm, I'm, could be mistaken. But when he did Rogan, last time he did Rogan, he said he wasn't. Yeah, I think it's like you know. There's a lot of guys that got to a place where they're like, I don't know if I can go back to it. Yeah. Well, and he had quit comedy before, like right. What I heard, he had quit comedy. He had quit comedy right before, and they came and got him for uh, the tour. The because one collar. guy, because one guy was difficult. Yeah. Did you hear that story? I heard that story. One guy was just a pain in the ass. And you know who it is. We won't say his name. I don't know who it is. Oh, I know exactly who it is. Say his name, and I'll edit it out. Just cover your mouth. I don't know him. I know, but I know, I know the name. You say that name. I know yeah, the yeah, name. yeah, yeah. Uh, it was over like a $40. Speaking of small things, uh, it was like a $40 taxi ride. And he he made a big stink about not getting is and again, is this is just what I've heard, yeah, yeah, the yeah. urban legend, but uh he made a stink about, among other things, like a forty or fifty dollar taxi ride. Dude, I've I've worked with people that I've I've seen fuck up their careers over the dumbest shit. Yeah. Where they go like like just like like you know it's funny we're I'm doing this thing with Leanne we're working on this project and she was like I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's because we've been in the business so long but there's certain things I was telling I was trying to explain it to Tom without explaining it I go <laughs> it is it is like it is like a comic who gets to the club and then goes does the first night and goes where's my check and they go we we'll give it to you on Sunday yeah like I go I work tonight and you're like well. We just yeah. give it to you on Sunday. That's how it works. Yeah. And that's how Leanne's behaving time sometimes where oh. I go, where I go, babe, just calm down, pump your brakes. Yeah. Like this isn't, it'll you, work itself. Yeah, out. You don't need to overthink this. And it's like the first time you get a deal in the business and you're like, am I supposed to get paid for this? Yeah. Like they'll get you the check. And you're like, when do I get, and then you get done the project. You still haven't gotten paid. You're like, when does that check show up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those people though, that I just can, it's not easy going. I just am afraid of confrontation. There's that, but also we both pay people a large chunk of our money to deal with that. And so like, yeah. I just put it, if the, if my represent, if my representatives are like, Hey man, it's cool. This is how it works. Then I'm like, cool, man. Yeah. Then I'll just, cause you've been here before. Most of the time it's my first deal. Yeah. Especially at that level. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's, that's the thing is like, I remember the first time I met Will Smith, I had a camera and I was going to have. We were doing a television deal, and I was going to get a picture with him. And Barry Cass is like, Papa, if you're going to work with the man, do not ask for a picture the first day you see him. And I was like, really? And then I said, from that time on, I'll never ask a celebrity for a picture. I want to act like I've been there. Mm -hmm. And now I have a bunch of people I've never gotten pictures with 
that like like I, that I would love to have pictures with, like fucking Lawrence Taylor. I hung, I interviewed Lawrence Taylor. I have no fucking rec. Like Slash, I partied with Slash in my green room. No fucking rec. Joe Montana. I interviewed Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. No way. And Ronnie Lott. And no pictures. See, that is when I mean, there's a lot of cool things about it, but hanging out and being friends with Kid Rock has taught me so many things because that dude will totally take a picture with like if he wants to take a picture with you he will take a picture with you whether you're Burt Kreischer or whether you're Robert fucking Plant yeah and like he's just he doesn't care and I'm like yeah man if I want to get a picture with you also Brad Williams kind of the same way like he'll walk up so uh we were in, uh, we, he and I actually went to a kid rock show together and this girl walked up to me backstage. We were like kind of in the shadows and she goes, you having fun? I was like, yeah. Uh, what's your name? She goes, Cindy. And I go, I'm sorry. What was that? Cause I didn't hear it. And she looked at me like I was fucking with her. She goes, it's Cindy. And a guy about that time walked up to her and goes, Hey, can I get my photo with you? And it was fucking Cindy Crawford. I will. Uh, no matter where I am in my life, cheat on my wife with Cindy Crawford. If uh, I get the opportunity, I sorry, babe. I'd have to. From from what I saw two and a half years ago, you would have every right to. Uh, oh, she looks amazing, Cindy Crawford. And but that's when you realize, like, you have to see people in context for the for, at least for me. Yeah. And I just. I just thought it was just a beautiful older woman. And then, but Brad Williams later that night walked right up to her and was just like, Hey, can I get my photo with you? And I'm sure there's like a dwarf pass that you get. He's got a pass. Everyone's like, sure thing. Hop up on my lap. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, but then I, I, um, I think I ended up getting my picture with her, but I wonder how I know. I wonder how Brad Brad's always been very cool when it comes to language. And if you, you know, like, I don't, whatever, he's always like, whatever, you know, but I think it's because he's a comic. I wonder if Brad's position has changed on people saying midget versus little person versus dwarf versus certain things. Now that he has a child. Uh, I think with Brad, especially like he's intelligent enough to find the context. Also, it's like, if you or I said it, because we're really good friends with yeah. him, it's one thing. If some stranger keeps saying it, it's it's just like, I mean, uh, to a much. A st- you're right. You're right. It is context. It's like if a stranger's saying it to him. Yeah. I've always felt like that. Like, like you can tell. Like, I have jokes about when I was just driving here thinking there's this is a good way to get into a joke. Things have changed since we've been on uh quarantine there's a lot of things you can't say like these next five jokes yeah. <laughs> and then just hammering jokes that you can't tell and just go in with the and one of the, and they're all negative about women and i don't have any negative feelings about women at all yeah. sincerely at all i did yeah when i met my wife i did but i don't anymore and i go part of me is like i, I wonder if you can tell that yeah i think listen i'm done a lot of hallucinogens uh with a lot of people and you i'm very much of the of the thought that and there's a vibe like everyone has vibes and when you put out the when you put out a weird vibe or a good vibe like people can tell if you're being genuine or not people can just fight by vibes and i i'm and i'm sure the fbi have broken them all down into little yeah. movements and shit but to most people it's just vibes and that's why you know, like, you know, when you tell a story that's a hundred percent true, that it kills way harder than a story that you made yeah. up. Why is that? 
What? What? Why is that? Again, I think it comes down to something beyond us. There's when you say a person's real name in a story, yeah. When I go, uh, I was hooking up with the girl Jenny Powers. Everyone goes as a real name for like, sure. Like that. Like you don't. You you couldn't make that up. But by the way, I, I want to apologize to Jenny Powers. I used <laughs> I, I all of them. I I wrote a book. And I used everyone's real names. And if you read that book with my Facebook page open yeah. next to you, you can see what everyone looks like. And a, and apparently people did and like oh, hit no. her up and was like, uh, and I felt so fucked. And by the way, you know where her ex-husband is, is a guy I fought. I didn't even put two and two together. A guy I follow on fucking Twitter is pretty funny. Uh, he And I, I don't want to put him on blast. You can yeah, find but, out who her ex-husband yeah, Have you talked is. to her is about it? Yeah. Is she not cool? She wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, she was. She had every right to not be cool about it. Yeah, she was like, she was like, very casually, like, "Hey, I heard I got a shout out in your book." And as soon as she said that, I went, "Well, I don't know what I wrote." Yo, yeah, because I, I, that's my problem is like, I don't know what I said. I don't pay attention to what I say. Yeah, and you're I just, just talk. a conduit. Like, I just, I just start talking, and that's like, that's when I think we're at our funniest is when we're not trying to be funny. We're just being ourselves on podcasts. Yeah, and I've said a lot of things about a lot of people. I had fucking. I had a, um, Kumail texted me the other day. Okay. He's like, I heard you were talking about me or no. He goes, is this Bert? And I was like, yeah, who's this? He's like, it's Kumail. And I'm like, Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I, cause I'm like, I don't know what I said. I don't yeah. like, I really genuinely, and I know here's what I know. Here's what I, and this is what I hang my hat on at the end of the day. I know I'm, I know genuinely I'm a good person for the most part. Yeah. I also know I like Kumail. Like, I know I like him. For sure. So I know that I'm not going to say anything shitty. And if I say something shitty, it's a joke where I'm trying to bust balls. And he should also know that because he knows I like him. But then he's gotten so much shit, like, just back and forth with, like, with, like, the fucking body stuff when he got in shape. And then all of a sudden they came after him. And and I was like, what the fuck? And and what I probably did was defend him in that situation. Yeah. And I did. I ended up doing it. But that feeling when you get a phone call and, like, oh, man, I heard you were talking about me. You're like. Like, like you talk about Kid Rock, right? Yeah. I, I don't. I, here's what I know in my heart. I like Kid Rock. I yeah. like Kid Rock. I watch Kid Rock at fucking Sturgis. Had one of the best times on a fucking, on a, on a, on an Indian chief just <laughs> in the crowd. I had one of the greatest times of my life. I, one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah. I've always dug his vibe. I've always gotten a kick out of him, but you never know what you say on a podcast. And so like, say we meet him and he goes, Oh, you're you're friends with Chris? I go, yeah, my name's Bert. And he goes, Bert Kreischer? I go, yeah. And he goes, oh, my heart sinks. I go, what the fuck did I say about Kid Rock? Because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> By the way, I had the coolest dream about Kid Rock and you the other day. Okay. I would want to tell you this. Were we riding a dragon? Nope. We were in a bar. Okay. And we were in a bar in like Madison, Wisconsin. But it was like after hours bar where it's just us. And he says, hey, man, you're friends with Chris. And I said, yeah. Is he here? He goes, yeah, he's coming in. He's coming in right now. And I went, shut up. And you came in, you go, I got it. And you had a joint. And I went, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you guys met? And you, you call him, I know his name's not Rob, but Bob. It, Bob, you called him Rob in the dream. You met Bert? And he's like, yeah. And you're like, oh, we're going to have a fucking good time. And he goes, man, Chris has been talking you up. And he takes the joint and he lights it. And as soon as he lit it, my alarm clock went off. And he takes it, hits it, and he goes, oh, you're not going to get that, are you? And I, went, <laughs> I, I looked at both of you guys. I said, I have a really busy day. And he goes, you're going to leave? And I went, yeah. And he goes, 
fuck. And I woke up and I went, God damn it. I want to be back in that fucking dream. This is how cool your life is. Even your dreams and cool. I have really lucid dreams. I sold a dream. I had a show on Comedy Central about my dreams, about the oh. animated my dreams. I have fucking insane dreams. And I don't know. I'm sure it's some like thyroid thing or mm -hmm. something um, or sleep apnea. I don't know what it is, but I have very, very, very lucid dreams. And so uh, I can sometimes I can realize I'm dreaming and do stuff in them like uh, and I've always been able to my whole life. But then there's periods of my life where my dreams get so intense it's almost like, uh, I mean, it's like, it's like I've woken up sobbing, crying. I've woken oh, up wow. giggling. I've had really, I've had, I mean, the, I walked into Comedy Central. I told them one dream and uh, just as like, they were like, give us an example. I go, I, I have very vivid dreams. And they're like, give us like an example. And I went, do you want like a funny one or a sad one? They're like, give us a funny one. So I tell them a funny one. It's a really good, funny one. It's a really good, funny one. And then I tell them, and then they go, well, I want to hear a sad one now. And I go, okay, just so you know, you might cry and I might cry. Yeah. And they're like, really? So I told him a sad one and we all cried. <laughs> Dude, this is how you know you're successful. And the fact that you walked into a comedy central meeting, and you went, I have dreams. And they were like, go on. I was, I wasn't that successful at the time. Oh, really? Yeah. I was, uh, well, I mean, I, I was, I just started doing a podcast. Okay. What had happened was I was calling Doug Benson and I was leaving my dreams on his answering machine. And then he would play them on his podcast. Really? And he wouldn't listen to me. And he never listened to me. He just would play them. And people were responding to them. And they were like, some of these dreams were like, I wish I'd, I, I, I voice recorded all of them. But I don't know where they all are. But like, and they were like, fucking So you awesome. want to hear something weird? 80% yeah. of my dreams. Now, I remember like places and like, whether the dream was intense, but usually when I wake up, I'm going to keep drinking. Yeah, please do. I I'm really gonna... enjoyed that tequila. I just got done working out. I want to talk to you about working out because you are fucking killing it. I want to hear about the workout you did, but more importantly, I want to hear about dreams. Okay. So 80% of my dreams uh, take place in the same hotel. Oh, I fucking love this. Uh, that apparently I run or have some sort of leadership, uh, but it's a hotel I've never been to. Is this not fucking, this is maybe one of the, my favorite things I've ever heard, but it's, it's, I, it's the same one. Every time it has a large event space that I have nothing. I've never, it's never performance based and it's weird. Uh, I can tell the, the less productive I'm being, the more intense the dreams are and like the more shit I have to solve. And so it's, for me, it is, it has become like a barometer of like, Hey motherfucker, you need to write more just because like, I'll wake okay. up from a dream. I was like, Oh, I was at the hotel and shit was not right. And okay. I'm like, What's I, I think everyone needs to try to connect with this right now. And I want, I want to hear because I have, I don't, I have the same reoccurring dream. Oh, okay. And mine is I'm organizing alligators or crocodiles. What? I'm organizing them. Like they've gotten loose. And they were all organized at one point, and I've got to put them back in their place. If I had one dream where I had to organize crocodiles, I would never fucking sleep again. <laughs> I would become the biggest cokehead. I, I had a dream when I was in fourth grade that uh, didn't let me sleep for a week. What the hell? I had a dream in fourth grade that was so intense that um, it was, and it's interesting. I've since seen similar things online like this with, um, with these, I think they're called tonsil stone removals. Um, but what it was, was uh, 
uh, some pro wrestlers were running in like a ringling Barnum Bailey thing. Okay. And this guy had a big uh, set of big set of pliers and he put it around the neck of one of the pro wrestlers, a big bald guy with like, like George animal steel, but hairless. Okay. And he squeezed his head and a bunch of seeds came out of his head and his head exploded. And it, for whatever reason, it fucked me up and I had a hard time sleeping for a week. Wow. In fourth grade, we had just moved to a new neighborhood and I had, I had really, a really hard time with it and I couldn't. And then I, and then I just forgot about it and I haven't had, but now I'm obsessed with like, um, like sunflower seed removals, like seeds, like anything. There's a thing called trip, trip, tripophobia. Okay. You've heard of it? Nope. So, uh, God, man, I can't wait till the studio's done and we have a fucking TV up. Oh, what you, by the way, uh, we're not even done with the studio. We still have lights to go up. We want to oh, wow. professionally, we want to professionally set everything in, but I fucking love this studio. Um, this is great. Um, so tripophobia, just so you know what it is, so you can wrap your head around it because now in a weird way i it's yeah it's trip trip of tripophobia it is people who have a fear of things that look like that by the okay. way what what if i found out you just had it right now <laughs> like that you're like oh! <laughs> I just and it's, away. it's things that have like like holes and seeds in them yeah okay and so here can you see that for people looking for it so like there was a period of time where there were on Facebook, there was a picture of a nipple that had seeds coming out of it. It okay. was an advertisement. I clicked on it every fucking time. I didn't know what tripophobia was, but I clicked on it so much. I was obsessed with it. And so, and I think it's because of that dream, whatever it is, I am obsessed with like, there are these people that go into the back of their throats and they squeeze like their tonsils or something. Okay. And these tonsil stones squirt out of them. And like, I can't watch enough of that. Is this uh, on Easter Island or dude, something? No, no. Like, um, like, uh, uh any dilated pore removal okay for me and my daughter my daughter isla and i will pass them back and forth to each other where you're like oh like i, I can't get enough of it i can't get a <laughs> fucking enough of it yeah so but that one dream when in fourth grade kind of fucked me up okay and i didn't dream much i didn't dream much in college um but man ever since i had kids my dreams got very 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 vivid and that's drinking weed all of it I don't know. I don't know. I feel like pot like uh, suppresses a lot of. That's dreams. what they say. The pot suppresses yeah. dreaming. But also, I think when you start to do it every day for like fifteen years, then it, your body starts to like, no, nah, we're gonna dream a little bit. Sweet, sweet. How does tell me about your marijuana intake? I, I just talked to Joey Diaz, who's like st has stepped his back. Yeah, I had stepped mine back pre-pandemic. I wasn't smoking during the day. And then once the pandemic hit and we had to take four months off, I was like, no, I'm going to smoke all day. Like I have nothing to be awake or alert for. Uh, I'm alone literally all the time. Uh, so yeah, I was just getting high and I think I watched every old concert on YouTube. Oh yeah. I mean, that's what I would do. It was like, I had, you know, cause a little, it was like a, white collar prison where you would like got to stay at your place. And like, I would go, I'd ride my electric skateboard every day. Especially Wait, do, you a, at the do, you a, do you have a boosted board? It's a halo board. Halo board. Yeah. They call it the Tesla of oh, fuck. skateboards. It's a big ass long board. It's a really great board. It does like 24 miles an hour. I used That's to ride into ass. the comedy store all the time. Uh, Laugh factory was within halo distance. 
And so uh, when the pandemic kicked in, it's funny. I haven't, you know, I haven't, when we started doing podcasts, I don't think ever anyone wanted to talk about pandemic stuff. Yeah. You know, cause everyone was like, yeah, let's just, and now I, I talked to Joey, I talked to Joey Diaz today for like an hour and he was so fascinated about the fact that my drinking, I stopped drinking when the pandemic kicked in. Yeah. And I actually have probably gotten healthier this one year. This year has probably been physically one of the best years for me. Like if I think I'd be dead without this year. Yeah. And so I did semi the same. Yeah. Just because like I had to learn how to cook. I stopped, you know, especially when you're on the road, like we are, uh, you know, I was doing, I didn't realize that I needed three months off until I got it. Ooh. And then dude, right. Cause you, you know, for the last 12 years, I've done 40 to 45 weekends a year. You know, I, t- I, exp- I tried to explain to someone the other day. I go, yeah, that's just what we do. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's, not- how, that's how you work. Also, everyone else works 50. <laughs> that's what I tell people. They're like, how do you work that much? I'm like, literally all the normal people work 50 weeks a year. I see dudes on planes who also travel and are working a job yeah. and work seven days a week. Like I see, I, yeah. I see dudes who, but like I worked, I, I sat next to a guy from worked on Boeing and he flew like twice a day going to different places. And I was like, I was like, whoa. And then you sit on those, those, the real ballers. And I feel like we're in a weird world where it's like, there's a, a businessman who travels a lot and we are that businessman, yeah. but we also are a different type of businessman, backpack, sweatshirt. Don't cool have to sneakers. be awake on the plane don't, at all. It don't have to do any work on the like plane. Like those dudes get on the plane and they're like, I, this is where I catch up and I drink a quad espresso and I answer 72 emails. You and I are like, I just ate three edibles and I'm <laughs> trying to get on the seat before I just pass out. And then most of my, like I just hit a million miles on American and I was like, oh, for real, that's a lot of naps. Wait, I'm trying to on American. Can I tell you I, I today? Today I had a um tad bit epiphanous moment thinking I want to I want to get the the thought clear. It was I ha- I haven't been traveling for work, meaning like the way the way we do it. The way yeah. we do it. Like I I I want to preface this to make sure everyone understands. For my entire career, it has been Leave Wednesday evening, press on Thursday, one show Thursday, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, one show Sunday, leave 6 a.m. Monday morning to come home to see my family yeah, and then exactly do it again over, do it again over. And if it wasn't Travel Channel, Travel Channel was, you know, two weeks on, fly on Monday, work to fly, possibly fly, possibly fly, and then for two weeks and then come home for a few days and then go out, same thing. And you get so there's so many comforts in that where you like just little comforts, just little things where you go, oh, I'm going to get, you know, uh, like the Admirals Club, the, like the Admirals Club or like getting up there and going. And I talked to someone the other day and they're like, you ever made a egg salad in the Admirals Club? And I was like, what? And they're like, you know, how they give you hard boiled eggs sometimes. So I was like, yeah, he goes, you never made egg salad. And I went, oh. I literally, it literally felt like I missed out on life. Like where I was like, <laughs> I could have been, I love egg salad. I yeah. love egg salad. I've been doing um, just eggs with a little salt and pepper, you know? I, and I was like, fucking, you've been making egg salad this whole time. You just need to run into one guy like yeah. that where you go, fuck. But like, I just have rituals. I remember going, I remember going to the airport one time with my wife. This was, this was, um, 
probably 2008, right? Where I've been, I've been working steady since, since 2004, probably four, maybe 2010. Yeah. And, but my wife's unaware of, of my rituals of how I go through the airport. And, and, you know, you know, certain people, you, you, there, you see certain people every morning. Cause you just, that, that's the time you leave. Yeah. I walked in, God rest his soul. Carl at the Admiral's club was my guy. He was from Baltimore. Uh, he was good friends with John Heffron too. Okay. And he, and that he knew we were comics. So we'd talk and, and Mark Marin. he knew Mark Marin too. All right. And so we go up. I'm with my wife. We're going on vacation. It's the first vacation we've taken. We go up and I see Carl. I go, what's up, Carl? And he goes, Greeny? And I went, yeah. And he opens a Heineken for me. My wife goes, he knows the beer you drink. And he goes, honey, I know all the beers and drinks. And I know what roadie he likes. She goes, you take roadies out of here? And Carl goes, you always got to get him a traveler Caucasian. <laughs> he used to make me white Russians in yeah. a coffee cup and Give him to me, and he goes. Here's a little. Here's a traveler for you. I give you a Caucasian, uh, and and I would have a white Russian as a coffee. Get on the plane, fucking nine in the morning, and have a white Russian sitting in first class. They didn't serve alcohol at the time. They didn't serve alcohol on first class in American. Okay. And 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 it's so funny. There's little things, and I, I was just telling someone the other day. There's a period where you're like looking to see if you got upgraded, and so like you'd be out oh, to yeah. dinner with your family on Wednesday night, going like I'm leaving tonight. Like did I, looking at your phone, and my wife's like the fuck you doing i go i'm checking on my upgrade she's like and because it completely changes your day oh it completely changes your day it changes my whole week yeah it made it made it would make that evening better yeah that next day better and today i was thinking i was like and i haven't traveled i haven't traveled traveled for stand-up like the way we do in a while and yeah, like a while you started doing the bus which is the dream it's the dream and it's the best thing ever and by the way i would i would I wish I could gift that to every comic because it makes your life so much. I want, I want, I'm being dead serious when I say this and I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke up. I'm not trying to fluff or anything. Yeah. I wish I could gift every comic the experience just once, just once so that they could go, Oh, this is legit, man. This is a treat. Like this yeah. is a treat. Just, I'm, tr I'm actually trying to do it, but just where you go, like, Let's do a big tour. We'll get a couple buses and we'll all go and do some big venues and we're going to have a great time. We're going to have a blast yeah. so that everyone goes. And then, and then all of us share our secrets of how we're selling tickets of how we're moving merch of like, like that is so there's certain things that are so valuable in this business where I go, let's do like a, like two weeks, three weeks where we just all leave out of LA fucking do a little big run, big, big run, bunch yeah. of us like 12 comics. Oh, that'd be sweet. Oh, it'd be fucking badass. Yeah, but I'd I, be a tight bus. We get two buses. Yeah, two buses. Cause you, at tw Cause you know they'll do a bus with twelve bunks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super. It, they call it like coffins or something. I got to ride around on a couple of Chris Robinson's buses, including the Black Crows bus, and it's like from day one. Cause you're basically like pirates. It's yeah. as close to being pirates as you can be. Cause you're just this group of people, guys and girls. Just all together, and like if someone comes on the bus, you're gonna have to fuck them up, and it's just like this amazing thing. Where and also there's a living room. It's like your house. Oh, uh, it's it's literally some of my best memories are all on tour buses. Oh, it's the greatest. I would love to do. I wish you could do like what like a warped tour where you yeah. had like a band, and then you had some comics, and then you had like some other alternative acts like yeah. almost like a Lollapalooza well I think you can and I think we're getting closer to that mainly because comic and mu comedy and music is becoming 
so closely integrated. I mean, especially with people like Dean Del Rey and Bill Burr and people, and like myself that you just become friends because they're as big a fans of you as you are of them. Sometimes more so. I remember running into Fred Durst and he's, and I'm, by the way, like this, I was as big a Limp Bizkit fan as you're going to find. That tracks. Corn. <laughs> Corn. Yeah. Limp Bizkit. I mean, you know, when Limp Bizkit came out, I, I actually said to friends, yeah, that was the music I wanted to make. Like when, when they did, I was like, that is my sensibility. That is everything I actually pitched to my band when I was in college. Yeah. We need to do like a mashup of like, get a DJ and do a mashup of hip hop. And everyone's like, the You're fuck are you talking mind. about? Yeah. They're like, we need to be Jane's addiction. I was like, we're never going to be Jane's addiction. Geniuses are never understood in their time. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm at Sebastian's show and Fred Durst comes up and he's like, Hey man, big fan. And I went, you owe I me so much. I had to stop. I had to stop and go like, <laughs> you don't know what that just means to me. You have no idea. You have no idea what that means to me. Yeah. And I, I was like, I'm the fucking, like, you're my, you're my guy. Like, I like, I. So, you know, I met Kid Rock, right? No, I don't. Okay. So I get a call from my agent going, hey, do you want to do a Kid Rock? So I had already done a carnival cruise. Yeah. Like there was. There was a year, I think it was 2011, where literally the improvs called and like, we're not going to book Chris this year. Like, uh, I, I remember that. I remember that year because I remember, I, I want to say this, you, me, you, and Ian Bag, Ian Bag got the same offer where it was like, we're cutting your money. Yeah. Either that or we won't book you. And I think you were the one that was like, all right. Yeah. And and I think Ian might have said, all right, also. And I was like, I'll take less money because I had kids. Yeah. I took less money. I, I think about that phone call. Dude. I remember getting that phone call. I can tell you where I was on the bed. I can't too. Well, I wasn't on your bed, but I was at the Warren Haynes Christmas jam about to have like the time of my, like we were at dinner, getting ready to walk in. And my, my manager called. I was like, yeah, you're probably not going to make any money this year. And I was, it was I, a phone call I got. Yeah. And I was just, he was like, we're not taking this money. He was like, they'll, and it, what ended up happening was I got, it was a shit year, but I ended up getting fallout fallout weeks. I was, they, they were like, they were like, you can, they, they said, you can take it. I'll tell you my exact number. I was making $1,500 a week and they cut it down to 1250. Yeah. And I, and they said, you can take, you, we're going to pull your money back or you can take nothing. You'll probably get fallout weeks. You get fallout weeks, you know, probably 1500 again. Yeah. But, and I was like, I'll just take the 12. But then they were booking like all these, like for lack of a better term, nerd X. And I was just, I just sat back. I was like, we're, they're going to call us next year because yeah. I've seen 80% of these dudes and they got 15 tops. And so, I and wish, look, I wish we could say names right now. Cause I, I remember, I remember looking at who was booked like the next week of who was taking bookings. And I was like, hold on, that person can't done do stand up. Yeah. yeah. And it's um, also like, good luck with that. And uh, and look it it all Addison improv Addison improv was just straight up. And this was like, I think right before Trey left and okay. I think Trey left and, and then there, and I looked at it. I remember going like, God, by the way, this is so inside baseball. I remember that because you got me, you and Ian Bag each got money pulled. Yeah. And I remember I was the only one that ended up taking the money. And I gotta be honest with you. I'm not, I, I, I'm not certain it helped or hurt my career, but like, but I was, I had a fucking bone to pick. <laughs> <laughs> I was not, a, I was, I would walk into a weekend going, who do you got next weekend? Yeah. Well, good luck. So we keep going. So, so going, yeah. So I, so in the middle of that, I was like, what, you know, my agent's like, Hey, 
you want to do a cruise? I was like, I'll do a cruise. And so I did a carnival cruise and, uh, actually kid rock had the best line about carnival cruises. And that's a put the F you in fun. <laughs> and, uh, cause he used to do his cruise on carnival and it was like a shit show, but I did it. And it was just carnival puts you up in crew quarters. So you're below the water line oh. in a cabin with no windows and then they have all these drills that you don't have to do, but they don't tell you. So the first day when someone's banging on your door, yelling, drill, drill, you just run out and you start following all these people. And then like, by that time I made friends with a few people and they're like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm, I don't know, to be honest with you. I was like, I'm just, this is post last comic standing. This right? is, this was like in the fallout of last comic standing. Cause okay. as, as high as last comic standing got me. Uh, there was definitely a reciprocation of that on the back end. Really? As soon as the next season started, my numbers just poosh. Oh. And it did, they never, they didn't come back to ugly and anger. And really? so that was three years of just like figure, like I opened for Joel McHale and like most of those gigs, I barely broke even most of the time I lost money because he was paying me seven fifty with no hotel and no airfare. So I'd have to put myself up, get myself there. And, you know, we were playing Chicago. So, you know, it's $300 a night for a Motel 6. Yeah. And so, but I was just doing it in the hopes that it would further me in some other facet, which it didn't, but whatever lesson learned. Yeah. Uh, so, but I did the Carnival Cruise. It was absolutely awful. And I remember emailing my agent in the middle of it because I was as sober as I've been before or since. And I was like, hey, man, just in case shit ever goes bad again. And I say, I'll do a carnival cruise. I want you to save this email because I don't want to ever do this shit again. It's the worst. Uh, I hate it. And I don't want to ever do it again. Uh, so save this. And uh, so like three years later, he's like, I know you said no more cruises, but it's a kid rock cruise. And I just thought they called Gersh going, Hey, we need a rock. We need a rock and roll comic. Yeah. And so I just took it as that. I go, worst comes to worst, I'll just write an article and sell it to somebody. Yeah. And uh, in the meantime, because, you know, you book four months out, uh, I end up talking to Steve Trevino, and he was like, I was hanging out with Kid Rock yesterday. He did three of your bits. He quoted you. He's like your favorite comic in the world, or you're his favorite comic in the world. Really? So I get on the boat, and Kid Rock does the first show, and I, you know, I Wayne's World my way to backstage. And they're like, no, your your pass doesn't work during the Kid Rock set. And I was like, well, fuck you and fuck him. And I go get high and go to the next show and Kid Rock shows up. I'm like, well, if he's just such a big fan, I'll just go stand by his entourage. He'll see me. And 10 minutes later, he was talking to his girlfriend and we made eye contact. He was like, hey, you come here. We've been friends ever since. Really? Yeah. He just pulled me aside. I remember I got a key to the, you know, the private floor. And oh. we got, to, we all hung out all night and got super drunk. And uh, I ended up meeting a bunch of bands and a bunch of artists. And uh, you end up hanging out. Like I had band of heathens, like two weeks ago, had me like record a, I sang with them and recorded a video God with them. Damn. Yeah. Like life's a trip, man. Dude, that's I, I, that I, my goal in this business. And I know this is probably like, my goals are weirder than ever, the average comic goals like is to do a cruise. Are you fucking kidding me? I would love that. Like a Burt Kreischer cruise. A Burt cruise? That oh, would be. Dude, you'd kill it. I would. I First of all, I love cruises. I talked yeah. to Guy Fieri like a couple months ago, and I was like, without a doubt, my favorite burger in the world 
isn't anywhere except for in open water when they at like four o'clock when you're trying to sober up enough for dinner, but you don't want to ruin your dinner because you know you got a cruise dinner and you get the guy's burger bar yeah. and and they're like, How many patties? And you're like, fucking five. <laughs> Dude, I love cruises. I love cruises. Yeah. I've been going on my couch's cowhead. I I'm fucking my buddy Cowhead, Mike Calta, I've been going on his cruise for probably the past, I don't know, five years. Like, I just go do them, and I enjoy a cruise. I enjoy waking up and going to the gym, yeah, doing a little bit of the elliptical, getting to the sauna. I, I, loved, the, I loved it. I took my daughters on a cruise, and I was like, you girls are going to fucking love this. And my daughters were like, this is fucking amazing. See, this is where you and I separate. <laughs> I, I, I like doing... I like performing on cruises. They're fun, mainly because, you know, the first day and a half before you perform, you're just like, you, you're you one of the people. No one yeah. knows who you are. Couple people may know who you are. And then once you do the first show, you're the life of the party. Everyone oh, and I love that energy. But, but I, I love being in the casino and people know who you are. And you're like, uh, Mom, daddy needs a new pair of shoes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Porter, get over here and roll these dice. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I love it. Uh, but- when I just did the regular carnival cruise, I was like, no, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't like people. This is what I thought. This is what I've always thought cruises were for either people that weren't cultured enough to like make their own decisions when they go on vacation. <laughs> yeah. And so they have like a people that are like, what do you like? And they're like, well, you, you know, tell me what you got. Yeah. And they're like, well, I got this. <laughs> I can like, tell you what I don't like. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Or super rich people that all they do is make decisions all day. And so their idea, because yeah. like my dad's best friend is like worth a lot of like a lot of money. Yeah. And like he bought a bank recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, do, you, do you get the money inside the bank? <laughs> I would hope so. Oh, fuck. We should have counted in this. <laughs> uh, he loves cruises. And I realize it's just because he spends his whole year making decisions so all he wants to do is sit there with a drink and go what am i doing and yeah. they're like you're gonna go off this boat and you're gonna go do this and he's like fuck yeah i am let's do it that's see i'm i'm a guy who likes to i like to take a lot of things out of play and so like when, when I, I wasn't the perfect fit for travel channel because i never i did not like getting off the grid and being unsafe yeah. and like getting lost in a city that's and, where you and i are like i liked I love resorts. Yeah. Like you send me to a resort and I go, Oh, this is awesome. And then I can say to my daughter, Hey, uh, they got a backgammon board in the, in the yeah. bar. You want to go play backgammon? And like, I love that fucking shit. I love, I love getting a cocktail in the morning and getting in the pool and fucking everyone's getting mimosas. I mean, yeah. you know why I think that is why? Cause I'm the same way. And it's because we travel so much and we're yeah. worried about everything. We just want to go where everything's there. Everything's yeah. cut, like everything. I don't have to worry when you go into the city or like you have to figure out where shit is. And I don't want to do that. I want to go. And I, where's the buffet? It's over there. Great. Like my last, my last vacation and my next vacation are both Maui. And Oh, uh, by the way, if, if you said you got to pick one place to go in the world, it's Hawaii. It's Hawaii. Every time yeah. I go to any of the places in Hawaii, I love Hawaii. Well, I just was telling Nathan Fletcher, we definitely should talk about, will you write Nathan Fletcher down? What? Nathan fucking Florence. God damn it. I keep saying Nathan Fletcher because he said Nathan Fletcher. Anyway, um, Nathan Florence. I love Hawaii more than anything in the world. The first time I went, I went, whoa, this is everything I thought it would be. 
And then the next time I went, I went, it was better than the last time. Yeah. And then by the fucking fifth time, I, by the, I've been to Hawaii probably 12 times. The, it always gets better. And I think it's because they go, we need you to like it more so that you keep coming back. I like it because it's like a different world, but your money still works. Like, <laughs> yeah. I like, don't get me wrong. I love traveling to different countries. It's fun. But also there's a lot of like just pain in the ass where I got to call the credit card company and do all that yeah. shit. And then are, and also like I'm figuring out in their money, what that really is in my money. Like I just love going and like, everything's the same, but it's all different. But I also stay in Maui, in Lahaina, in that big line of hotels. Mm -hmm. Last time I went with Tom Bell and our buddy Brent, oh. the first day we Brent took a day to get there. Me and Tone are walking, looking at excursions. And oh. uh, the guy goes, we're like, well, how much is snorkeling? And he goes, well, you're a couple, right? <laughs> <laughs> Tone and I were like, well, what's the discount? And how far do we have to go to show? To, like, <laughs> I will, just for the 15% off. I will kiss oh. this dude on the mouth for 50 bucks. <laughs> and, uh, but no, but like, it was just like every day we just went to a different buffet and then went and did an excursion, and we were at the bar by noon, and we were drunk by seven. It's oh, fucking so great. I miss Hawaii. Out of all this pandemic, I miss Hawaii more than anything because I would have gone. I miss Hawaii and Salt Lake City, or uh, 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 not Salt Lake. I love Salt Lake City, but uh, but um, Park City. Park City is somewhere we've gone every year, me and the girls, and it's so great. It's yeah. so much fun. I have had such a great time there. And the last time I went, I went with Ari and, and a bunch of comics, <clears throat> Mark Norman, Steve Renazizi, uh, uh, um, God damn it. My brain's drawn a blank. Sean Patton, a bunch of us went and, uh, you have my number, right? Ari set the whole thing up. I'm just, he said the thing and then just goes, Hey, if you want to go, it's dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Oh no. He goes, it's a free trip. It's a free trip. We're going to do shows that'll pay for it. Oh, okay. And so I was like, oh, so we ended up doing shows. We had to do like two nights of shows at the at, at Wise Guys, and it paid for the whole trip. And I was like, wow, this is fucking great. And and I explored other mountains that I wouldn't with my girls because my girls just don't, they, they, they're they pretty like, you know, young skiers. So they put them on one mountain and me and Leanne, but it's like the fucking getting there and then doing a couple runs and then Leanne going like, you want to have a, you want to have a, a drink? And you're like, yeah, yeah. do a couple more runs. Let's not get hurt. Let's have one more drink. We'll go back to the thing. You want to get some pizza? Oh, I fucking love the simplicity of vacationing. Yeah. I love the, like to not, and you know, it's, I look at Ari, I've used Ari as an example because he's in fucking Guatemala right now. For sure. And have you been following him on Instagram? No, I saw a shot of him. Cause I don't think I follow him, but like he came up on my, uh, what's that discovery. And yeah, he's like in a kayak in the middle of a mountain. I don't enjoy that. No, I'm not. I'm like, not. I, I don't enjoy. I remember I, I, you know, I'm very cognizant of apologies and whether or not people mean them. So I try to find ones I really mean. Right. Okay. Like, like where I go, I actually fucked up. And I, I talked shit about Henry Rollins once. And I, I shouldn't have. I but I did. Yeah. You know, so like it, you, I can understand someone in, in cancel culture like really actually going, I didn't mean that. Like because I didn't mean to talk shit about Henry Rollins, but I did. I was on a podcast and everyone was celebrating and I, mean, I thought the angle was to shit on him. Oh, okay. Because I was like, I was like, because I like Henry Rollins, but it, 
his he celebrated travel and the and the 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 nuance of it and getting lost and and it changed Ari's life. It's why Ari is now pro- predominantly a traveler. Yeah, yeah, and and just disappears for months on end because Ari interviewed him and was like, oh, "I want that. I want that in my life." And I was like, "I've done that for Travel Channel for nine years. It's not what it's worth. Like it's it, for me, it's not." Yeah, and I should have said, "For me, it's not," as opposed to just what I said, which I'm was on rogan i'm sure you can find it but i was like fuck henry rollins fuck what the that guy's full of shit that's yeah. bullshit that's something people say when they aren't cultured and they want to sound cold like I, whatever the fuck i said i really apologize for that because i i like henry rollins and i don't but i'm i don't get like so i have a question shoot. i have a dilemma in my life and i want you to because it's of the same ilk uh so a few this is five or six years ago uh so, uh, I'm friends I'm with Chris and Rich Robinson yeah. uh, of the Black Crows. Rich Robinson was playing in a Jimi Hendrix tribute in Oakland. And mm-hmm. I was doing shows in San Francisco. So, Molly, who we love. Yeah. Uh, and I went over there. I fucking love Molly. She's literally the best. Molly's someone who, that, who said things that I didn't understand. And then a year later, I go, oh, I think I understand what Molly meant. Yeah, she was just... <laughs> You were, she just, you weren't to her level yet. Uh, turning off my whoop so I can save my activity. Keep going. Okay. No worries. Uh, uh, so Molly and I go over there and Molly's in the audience. Here's the thing about Jimi Hendrix and, and mainly the blues. The blues is kind of like reggae where it's good for about 45 minutes. And then you're like, this is the same song kind of <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. And so I go backstage and I'm hanging out. It was uh, the same night. Johnny Lang thought I was Chris Robinson. Because Rich introduced me as his friend, Chris. So uh, I was backstage and I go. And you had long hair at the time. Uh, no, I had cut it at that point. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I grab, <laughs> I grab a bottle. Of, I go, hey, man, can I just grab a bottle of water real quick? And I grab it. And he goes, hey, man, I'm a huge fan. And I go, thanks, man. And he goes, yeah, you're just like the greatest singer of our generation. And I went, no, no. <laughs> Different guy. No. And he goes. And he got, he was like, what? I go, who do you think? He goes, well, you're Rich's brother, right? I go, no, no, I'm his friend, Chris. Like there are other people named Chris in the world. <laughs> anyway, so I, I'm i side stage. I'm watching the show and Kenny Wayne Shepard's singer goes up. And I've seen Kenny Wayne Shepard a couple of times. Uh, he's an amazing guitarist. Just visually, he's not my thing. Yeah. And, uh, but his singer is he just smiles a lot. He's got big teeth and it weirds me out. So I just left and I walk up to rich who's in a group of people. And he's like, Hey Porter, what are you doing? And I go, Oh, Kenny Wade Shepard singer went up there and I, and I can't really hang with it. And then I just start going off about how I'd seen Kenny Wayne open for the crows and how I didn't really dig the fact he's, he's a flashy guitarist. Like when he changes chords, he points at people and does like that kind of stuff. And some people dig the shit out of it. I don't. And so I just kind of went off about it. Yeah. What I didn't know is Kenny Wayne Shepard is in the group of people and looks a lot different than he used to. And he ends up just walking away. And I don't know who the fuck he is. And I'm still just mid, like, you know, you start to catch a groove and you just start going off. And then like 10 minutes later, like the, another lady in the group is like, uh, makes it very known that she's Kenny Wayne's manager and then leaves. And I look at Rich and I'm like, Hey man, you wouldn't have stopped me. You couldn't have nudged me. He goes, I just wanted to see where you'd go with it. Cause he's that guy. 
And uh, so now he's like best friends with Zach Myers, who's one of my best friends. Yeah. And like, so I feel the need to like apologize to him, to Kenny Wayne, because I didn't mean to say all those things directly in front of him. Yeah. But also I don't not feel that way. It's that's such an interesting place to be where you go. I, you know, my wife is that person. She just tells you what she thinks of you. And I yeah. go, hey, you don't have to do that. Like, yeah. no one cares. <laughs> you can just let it go. You can just actually not bring any of that up. She's done it to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She and, and you're like. But also, that's kind of hot. It's 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 super. I dated a girl that was very much like that, even to me. And I was like, that's maybe one of the most attractive things about it. That's why I love her is that uh, we, you know, we did this project thing where it was like, I was very vulnerable. Yeah. And I, did, I didn't know if I was going to do well. And I got done. She was like, you fucking killed that. And I know. That if I didn't kill it, she would have told she me I didn't kill me. it. She would have loved to tell me. She would have <laughs> taken joy in telling me that was you were horrible. Yeah. Um, and so when you do well, that it's a real do well. But at the same time, it's like my Leanne would tell you, yeah, that you just it's you you could be you should be able to tell them that. He should know that you don't enjoy him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm the opposite where I go, like I had an instance with um but I don't the, hate him yeah. as a person. Like I still think he should be a be able to do things and play guitar. It's just, you know. I had an instance where I, I am not certain if this was the person. It was very uncomfortable. I, I think I've talked about this before, but like, I got off stage one time, uh, and uh, I came into the green room at the store, and I was. Everyone was like, "Hey, great set!" No one heard it. I knew no one heard yeah, it. Yeah. They're in the green room. They were drinking, and yeah. they, and I didn't know any of them. They're all friends of Rogan. Okay, but I was like, someone's like, "Hey, Bert, when are you gonna have Alex Jones on the podcast?" And I go, and I'm you know I'm just got off stage. I'm still firing a little hot, and I was like, "Fucking never!" And they're like, "What?" And I was like, "Nah, fuck that guy." But I, I didn't mean fuck that guy. I was just like, I as was a like, guess. I was like, I was like, as a guess for me, it's bad. It's a bad mitt. It's a bad fit. I didn't say any of this. Yeah, because I'm also you know I'm getting a cocktail. I'm, I didn't say any of this. I just was like. Fuck that guy. If he comes on this podcast and and I, I, I probably I, I I enjoy him on Rogan and him on um Schultz's podcast, but for this, I'm not good. Cause whatever he says, I'll agree with. Yeah. And then I'm gonna look bad. Cause I'm not I don't like confrontation and I'm not gonna fact check any of his shit. But also just what gonna, political person have you ever had on? Never. And I'm not good with that shit. So that I should have said that. I should have said, you know, Alex is a very interesting guest. He's a fun guy to watch, but he's not a good fit for me. Yeah. Um, because I, uh, I don't, but also no, you shouldn't be able to have to say that in the green room of the fucking comedy store. And then, that's when we are allowed, yeah. the fucking table is mirrored for like, we're yeah. allowed to do a lot of things back there that we shouldn't ever. And fucking two people get up and walk out. And if I mean, I don't know if it was Alex Jones, but it might've been, but it was, I think it was Alex Jones and he was in, I think he was the one that said it like, uh, I, but I would have recognized his voice. But someone was like, I was like, uh, you know, I didn't even pay attention to it. Just people just got up and left. And he had just done Rogan or or Joey's podcast. So just done a podcast in LA that day. And I get and I and I I'm sitting back there having a drink and people are laughing and I go, What's so funny? And they're like, You just you said that about Alex Jones. And I was like, I don't like I, but I had no emotional attachment to him. Yeah. And, but and I still don't. I but I don't dislike the guy. I don't hate him. I just know that he talks crazy shit. I don't 
watch enough. I don't even know what QAnon is. I don't know what yeah. it is. So if he tells me about QAnon, I might go, well, that sounds interesting. And then all of a sudden, these fucking people go, oh, fuck, I knew you were one of them. For and sure. like, oh, you believe in masturbating frogs. Or, and if like, you were to, or if you were to go, man, I don't believe that, you would have the opposite side. Be like, you liberal Dude, I stay away shit. from that shit. I stayed away from today. Um, I can say this now because it's so far away from whenever this gets released. But like, um, there was this brutal attack of a woman um, on in New York. Joe Coy posted it. And yeah. he's like, this is horrific. I saw it and I was like, no what the fuck like what literally what the fuck yeah and i want i and this is i hate to say this but it's not the majority of you but the minority of you behave this way whereas i go to repost it on mine because joe's like please help us find this person that attacked this woman yeah this and i go i'm gonna retweet it i'm gonna repost it on my instagram feed and then i just thought i i thought i don't want the headache this sounds horrible but i don't want to deal with the people on the internet who then go, where were you during George Floyd's? How come you didn't, yeah. where were you on uh, uh, Elliot Pate? Where were you on this? Where were you on this? Why is it this? Because you're friends with Joe Coy? Now you stand, and yeah, I, I didn't yeah. want any of that shit. I didn't want any of it, but I do want to find the guy that beat up that Asian woman. I don't, Not because she's Asian, because that's a horrible, just that was a, the fact that no one, no person should be stomped outside of fucking whatchamacallit. For sure. That's just a real thing. No man should have a knee put on his neck where he can't breathe and die. That's yeah. a real thing. But like, I just go, Did sadly, I just go, I don't want the headache. I don't want to deal with the fighting online that will happen in my comments. And then I got to fucking deal with, I, I don't want to deal with any of that. And I, and I go, man, I keep saying this. I did a, I did a, a hip hop podcast one time and they said something very clear to me like about stay in your lane yeah yeah and i was like it was and i was drunk and i was like it's an interesting thing why would they say that and i was like oh because i look the way i do stay in your lane for sure go do rogan go do your podcast go do your own bill burr's podcast do your own podcast you and tom stay in your fucking lane don't come into our lane try to steal our fans and i was like oh that's fucking fascinating but also like um hold on i wanted to I wanted to feed off what you were saying. Uh, By the way, I'm loving this fucking tequila. Isn't it great? And I'm loving it that we're slow slipping it. Yeah. I feel like it. I feel like, I feel like at a certain point I'll go full Alex Jones. <laughs> we live in a society where I tweeted something about, it was basically love everyone. Ooh. Uh, just love everyone. And we live in a society where I literally got, yeah, but. And it's like, no, yeah, you know, no. Jeff died, Jeff died, who I think is one of the most underrated comedians. He really is. Uh, he like everything he posts on Instagram like that are his bits makes me like 98% of it makes me laugh out loud. But his bit about Jesus is one of my favorites. What is it? He just said like, you know, I don't, I don't want to do it cause I'll butcher it, but it was basically like, what basically what I just said, where he was like, "Hey, love everyone," and they're like, "Well, what if they look different than us?" And he's like, "Yeah, love everyone," and they're like, yeah. "But what if they wronged us at some point?" Oh, and it, you know, it just keeps going, and it, it's a brilliant bit. But um, it's yeah. gets it gets so hairy out there where you're like, "I just stay off Twitter." Yeah, like it, it gets you off, and especially when you like make an opinion or you make a joke that's. Uh, 
got an opinion base and someone's like, stay, you know, a guy's like, just be funny or just be that. And it's like, Hey man, this shit's free. Yeah. This is free. They should. Someone just said this to me the other day uh, where we're, they should make us pay for it. They yeah. should make us pay for it. Five bucks a month and just weed out all those fucking moronic poor people. All those fucking uneducated fucking imbeciles that just go in the fight. And by the way, I hate to say this. I stereotype them. I imagine they're all fucking white. Yeah. And I, fat, I like, and, and, and they and live fat in a basement. And, 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 it's, and I don't also don't like these fucking tattletale motherfuckers where it's like, listen, I'm not, I'm not standing up for cancel culture. I don't think you should cancel anyone. And I hate talking about it in general, yeah. but if you are, a, a trans person and you call out a celebrity for something that you felt was insensitive that's one thing yeah but if you're a fucking alt-right person who has like legit comedy chops and you like good comedy but you don't like sarah silverman because she is not she's no longer one of you and you felt she was one of you and then you want to go and throw her blackface picture up and go what about that sarah just stop you that's not who you are yeah that's not who you are like the, the fucking sometimes like the uh ONA fans like I was a big ONA fan I was a big ONA fan so I get that energy I, but like calling out Jimmy Kimmel because he like I get Jimmy Kimmel can be a fucking tad bit annoying yeah <laughs> like I, 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 I get, Jimmy Kimmel's a bad example I like Jimmy Kimmel personally but that's just because of my age yeah. but like but like but like this is what cancel. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, 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 please. Cancel culture implies that people now there are certain people. I'm not, this is not the Harry. I'm not talking about the Harry wine scenes. I'm talking about like the comics, especially with their jokes. Yeah. It implies that people don't grow. When you take something from 13 years ago and you cancel them now, you're saying there's no way you've grown in 18 years. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, I, I mean, I, I look at like, I look at, I I have grown, I guess, maybe. But, like, I think, I still think you take, I still think, and Burr told me that this, it had changed. I don't believe it. Maybe it did in New York, but, like, I still think you take big swings on stage. When it comes to stage. That I, I, when it comes to stage, you take big swings. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm just, last night, I'm reading this book, um, uh, King... Do you know what book I was reading? King Leonard, King Leopold's Ghost. Is that it? King Leopold's Ghost. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'll tell you the premise structure. Me and you will figure it out real quick, but people may be lost. So I don't want people to get offended on getting lost on it. But as a comic, we just real quick, you go, oh, I, I see where you're going. And um, I'm hearing of the atrocities that the Belgians uh just absolute atrocities Belgium's did in in the Congo when when slavery I think was all but outlawed in the United States or, or yeah. at least during the Civil War and and it was and it was there was still racism in the United States but they were straight up starting slavery in in the Congo and they had this because they because they were shipping the only thing they could do to make money it sounds crazy but they were like these guys were watching boats come in from the Congo to Belgium to King Leopold, and it was filled with ivory and, and rubber. Uh, Dunlop had just created the tire. Okay. And the air-filled tire. So all of a sudden, rubber was super valuable, so they could get rubber out of the trees. So these guys from Belgium would go in, these soldiers would go in, uh, capture all the women, capture all the children, put them in cages, fuck all the women, 
and say to the men, if you want your women and children back, you got to go get rubber for us. And so that's how they do it. And they give them bullets to make sure that's so they come back with all this rubber. And by the way, I, I'm certain there's Andrew Bellelli or someone's like, Bert, that is not actually what happened at all. Yeah. I'm just telling you what I heard. Right. Okay. <laughs> so uh, what I heard, and because that's because I read a part of the beginning of the book. I liked it. And so I listened to the rest on audiobook. OK, there it is. So also any book you have to read two or three times to get everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm never. I, by the way, I, I picked like three subjects out of there that I was like, what the fuck? Like the one thing I couldn't stop thinking was how many times people call white people white devils right yeah so that i heard it and i didn't understand it i was like who the fuck are you talking about and then you hear this and you're like oh no yeah if your ancestry that's ingrained in your dna if your ancestry was oppressed the way these belgium people straight up oppressed just black people just people from the congo yeah then the, yeah then you got to take that charge and go yeah. Mm. yeah they put one guy just for fucking shits and giggles put a stick of dynamite up a guy's asshole and lit it and nothing happened to him what he just he was like they were like ah oh, well sometimes you get a little buzzed and and the guy because he was white and he's like just send him home fucking sometimes you blow up a human oh being. i thought you meant nothing happened to the guy with the oh no no no, no. that guy exploded <laughs> <laughs> that guy totally exploded but what was happening was what was happening was and this is where like i'm i'm, I'm listening you know i'm always trying to write a bit like everything about life for me is a bit yeah and so they're sending these ship shipping ships full of ivory and rubber back. And this guy's checking the, the manifold and going like whatever it's called. And he goes, well, I wonder how much money they're shipping out to the Congo to get all this shit. Like to, they're, they gotta be paying these people. Right. Yeah. And they were just shipping bullets out. And, and because you're obviously in the Congo and you got a bunch of white guys that are in the Congo that are, are now soldiers that are, raping and slaving and all the women and children and 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 torturing them i'm sure to get these guys to do the work they wanted to make sure that the bullets were accounted for so that because you know they're also in the jungle they're like shooting leopards and hunting elephants yeah yeah and they're like well hold on hold on we sent those bullets down to kill africans yeah so here's the deal we want a head count bullet every bullet needs to be spoken for so if you shoot a bullet we want the hand of that African person you killed. And these guys were like, well, I still want to hunt. Let's just cut off all their hands yeah. so we can go hunting. And I'm sitting there going like, now here's the joke part of it for me. <laughs> As I go, I go, this is, I'm, I'm like, I'm laying in bed going, this is fucking horrific. And then I was like, and I'm obsessed with accountability. I go, I would have been that guy. I would have been that guy. You have to, you can't assume because you grew up here if you'd grown up there, you'd still have your, your sensibility of who yeah, you are yeah, today. Yeah. I was like, I would have been that. I would have been that you, guy. You would have come up with that idea. And you were I, like, I what, what if we just cut all their hands and we get all the leopards we want? Probably. Like I would have been the guy going, hold on. They want, like, I, I don't know if I would have been that guy per se, yeah. but I would have been like, and so I started, You would have been the second guy. We're like, that's a great idea. I'm like, hold on. They got two hands guys. <laughs> like, and like, but I started writing a bit about like, like, how there is i wanted to write a bit about like how there you can't so like if if you're a black person in, in america today you look back at those atrocities and you see yourself in that situation but us white people we don't see ourselves in that we go oh those guys were bad yeah. but i'm not that bad and you're like oh no no no, no. no if, if yeah if we go in a time machine i would have been the guy going wait how do we get extra bullets like <laughs> i would have like you just can't 
I, I'm obsessed with this premise of like, I love the thing I love about comedy is for me, and I think that I got, I learned this. I was about to say steal, but I stole this from David Tell. David Tell would take a premise, he'd never let it go. That one little bit, uh, he would work it 19 different ways. And what's beautiful about when he was doing it then is you would watch it fail yeah. and sometimes in bad ways until he figured it out and you were like, oh, God damn it. That's why you don't ever give up on a bit. Sometimes you give up on a bit, you're like, fuck it, the bit doesn't work. But man, like I just was up last night and I wrote it down. I was like, all right, uh, what kind of white person would I have been in the past? Yeah. Because you always think I would have been the good one. And then you're like, oh no, you just would have been this, you just would have been average. The same guy that didn't tweet today about the fucking hate crime in New York outside yeah. of fucking thing because Joe, and he didn't want to deal with it. That's the same fucking guy that's like going, you know? And so I'm like, it's so interesting. But I, that's where my brain is today. Like in comedy, I've been reading this fucking book yeah. and I'm obsessed with it. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hems. I have talked to so many young men who I don't see it as they're losing their hair, but they see it. Probably one of the biggest problems young dudes have is where they start thinking they're losing their hair by 26. 66% of men start losing their hair by the age of 35. That's when I, I started noticing mine at 22. I did something about it. And doing something about it is the reason I still have hair. It's the reason I still have a, not full head of hair, but I can cheat it. And it looks like a full head of hair. If you trust me, if you see me out of a pool, you're like, uh, but, but I did something about it. And that's what I love Hims. Hims is one-stop shopping for hair loss, skincare, sexual wellness, all for men. It's time to write a new chapter in your life. And it starts with a full head of hair. Uh, these are prescription solutions backed by science. Hims was created by a guy who knows some men health, men's health conversations are easier to have online than in person. God damn it. That is so fucking true. I had to go to a doctor. I had to go to a pharmacy. It was so many hoops to jump through when I, you could just get connected. What Hims does is it connects you with licensed medical professionals online, which would save you hours, completely confidential and discreet answer. A few quick questions and the medical professional will review. And if they determine it's right for you, they can prescribe you the medication to treat your hair loss that's shipped directly to your door. Today, Hims is giving you the best offer yet. If you're not happy with your results and after 90 days, Hims will give you a full refund. And right now my listeners can get their first visit absolutely for free. Go to forhimscom slash birdcast. That's forhims.com slash Burtcast. Disclaimer, prescription products require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember, that's forhims.com slash Burtcast. This podcast is brought to you by Credit Karma. If dreams of vacationing, enjoying the fun life are turning into realities for you, don't let concerns over financial setbacks keep you from saying yes. Credit Karma helps keep your financial goals in check. So you don't have to hit pause on a good time that's waiting ahead with a beautiful woman and a cocktail on a beach watching a sunset, falling in love, changing your life. That is waiting for you. Now that the world's back open, you can have a the great life you've been sitting for the last 16 months waiting for. Credit Karma's game-changing technology shows you tailored offers for credit cards and personal loans that you're more likely to be approved for so you can apply with more confidence. They use your credit and other other financial information to show you custom recommendations. Whether you want cash back, travel rewards, or consolidate debt, Credit Karma can help find you the offers that fit your goals with selections of options and approval odds. You have the power to make informed decisions. You can also look up credit card offers for college students, see personal loan recommendations for credit cards, refinancing. Credit Karma shows each credit card or personal loan offer, including details, rates, fees, and loan amounts. 
Apply with confidence with Credit Karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash podcast to learn more and find offers tailored just for you. That's creditkarma.com slash podcast, or you can see their offers on the Credit Karma app. Apply with confidence today. Go to creditkarma.com slash podcast or the Credit Karma app. Yeah, I also think a lot of those people on the internet are just contrarians. They're like, they're, there's a guy, there's that, there's that group of people that just, if everyone says yay, he's going to say nay. Yeah. And and they and now they have a platform to be, and most of the time these people don't even have their own picture. It's some avatar. We need, we need, hold on. I need to check my, my, my um, brisket with my wife. Okay. We need accountability. I want social security numbers online. I want, I want everyone to be a hundred percent. Fuck. What's going on? Nothing. Uh, we no, need to take a break. Uh, nope. Nope. Not okay. at all. Not all at right. all. Do you need a break? Do you no, need to go to the good. bathroom? I'm good. I just got to call my wife and make sure she is watching my brisket. Okay. I have three briskets. You should get one of the Bluetooth thermometers. I can't get my phone hooked up to the fucking thing. Oh, really? I, I tried all day today. The rec tech. I need rec tech to hit me up. Um, Dude, that was my dad. I haven't, I haven't hooked up to my Bluetooth. My Bluetooth is my wife. Two of the greatest things I've ever bought my father, Bluetooth, thermometer, Apple Watch. Oh, Apple Watch, dude. I'm I wish I had more wrists. Because <laughs> I have I want I want to wear like a nice watch. Like I have this one. And then yeah. my wife I love that my wife, this is what makes me crazy about women, right? Is she goes, she goes, are you calling about your brisket? And I'm like, yeah. Why why do you, what do you need me to do? She's not even answering it. Is she home? Is she here, Halston? No. Is she picking up the girl? No, she's home. Georgia's home. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm calling Georgia. Um, my wife's like, does it matter what temperature it comes out at? I'm like, yeah, that, that's actually the whole deal. That's the gig. Hey, George, can you go check my brisket real quick? What? Can you? Go out and check my brisket. Oh boy, I'm about to take a nap. <laughs> Where's mom? Is mom taking a nap? This is what kids are like. Go to my brisket. I need the readings on the thermometers. Where's mom? She's on the phone. She's an adult. Hey, I'm going to need you to pick me up. I'm drinking tequila with my buddy Chris. All right. It's tell me, world. tell me the temp, tell me the t- temperatures. Mom needs us to go to the Dollar Tree, so maybe not. Okay. One seventy nine. And what's the other ones? What? There's only one. There's no baby goo. There's there's uh, look on the look. Oh oh oh. Set point actual probe A and probe B. Need all of them. Yeah, I need the I need the two on the below. Okay, probe A is one ninety two. Probe B is one sixty five. Fuck yeah! All right, I'll call you in a little bit. Okay. All right, love you, bye. There's nothing better than smoking meat. You know, so I, someone sent me a, a tweet the other day. They they said, uh, at a certain age, as you turn into an old man, you either want to talk about World War II or talk yeah. about smoking meat. I want to talk about both. Well, uh, I can. First off, the best grade I ever got in a college class was in a history of World War II class. Second really? off, my dad competitively barbecued for all of my youth. Are you serious? Swear to God, uh, we would. So, I mean, I grew up in Kansas. Uh, Dad got way into cooking and smoking. And uh, 
You know, they have one of the major barbecue events in the world is the American Royal, and that's in Kansas City. And then yeah. they have like four others that were all there. So like the summer was basically us going to dad's barbecue events. So what did your dad, what, what did your dad like? Uh, my dad's really? pulled pork. Zach Myers will tell you is the best pulled pork in the world. Really? And I would not disagree. Yeah. Now, what is it? What is it about your dad's pulled pork that makes it? I mean, he, one thing I needed to get, I mean, my dad's taught me a lot of things over time, uh, but I, I just recently during the pandemic started to get into cooking. Of yeah. You just said that. Yeah. And so like, I realized, you know, my dad's going to be around for a while. He takes care of himself, but I do need to like pick his brain about a lot of this shit. Well, yeah, because that's a real, you know, Dave Williamson is really big into, into barbecue and, and smoking meats. And I, I FaceTime him nonstop when I'm smoking something and go, Hey, here's where I'm at. Tell me what I need. Yeah. It's, it's great to have someone in your corner and your dad to be that guy. My dad does not, my dad will grill stuff, but everything's medium rare or everything's rare. And then, yeah. and he's just like, just sear it, buddy. Sear it. <laughs> yeah. But like, I, I love. Uh, yeah. My father, I remember a lot of my high school youth was some weekends I would do the midnight shift. So I would always recruit a friend to come with me. And our job was to stay up from noon to 6 a.m. or midnight to 6 a.m. And drink as much beer as we could. And they gave us a blowtorch. And we made sure that the temperature stayed at a certain level and us being kids and being stupid, we would always let it drop a little lower than it should. So we got to use the blowtorch. <laughs> so, so your dad was like a legit, like had a legit rig. He had a legit rig. Yeah. Well, he, he didn't, his partner had the, the trailer, the giant one. Yeah. And dad uh, still owns a smoker. It's at my uncle's cause they just moved into a high rise, but yeah, really? Uh, but yeah, my dad, he can parents still married parents still married, still super happy. They just sold the house. My parents. So the, it was the house. My sister grew up in. You and didn't grow up there. I didn't grow up. I grew up. They moved out of the house. I grew up in like the week after I graduated high school. Cause yeah. I grew up way out in the sticks. Uh, and so like, as soon as I graduated, my parents were like, we're moving to where we don't have to drive 20 minutes to do anything. Yeah. And uh, so then, and then the rest of our, my sister grew up like midtown Kansas city. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, so were you, you talked about your dad taking care of himself. You just recently started taking care of yourself. Well, and dad, dad's a, not a small dude. Uh, and he's, he definitely looks better now. He, he fluctuates. Yeah. Uh, there are definitely times where he's unhealthy. How tall is he? He's six, two. He's like two inches smaller than I am. Yeah. But I was, you know, just growing up. And especially when I hit like thirties, I, you know, I just saw my dad had always struggled with his weight and I didn't want to do that. And so, and I'd Wait, always, were you ever overweight? No, but in like 12 or 13, I started heading that way. Like there are pictures of me being very, I remember the Maui comedy festival. The one year that happened, there are photos. Like I remember looking at the photos and I was like, Oh, I'm getting fat. Like I've yeah. reached that point. And then I, my sister talked me into going to CrossFit cause she was going to try it. And I fell in love with it. And that's, and then when the pandemic hit and our gym closed, uh, my sister's best friend who, and now one of my closest friends, her husband, put a their doctor so they put a gym in their garage and allowed us to come over i went over today i was like hey i'm gonna come over at noon today and, and put do the workout 
we just started doing that in here yeah so we have a gym i'll show you too when we get done we have a gym that we built in there and we just got a rack today oh nice yeah it's sitting out front it's uh shout out to bert soren okay yeah bert soren a good friend of joe's and and a good friend of mine as well the only other i'm, I'm the og bert he's like a he's like a new bert so i'm the bert but uh he hooked us up with a rack Every, weights are really hard to come by right now very much so. he hooked us up with weights he hooked us up with with plates and a, be- a barbell and everything so i i say hooked up he we've paid for everything yeah i, I just say that to be fair tax wise and <laughs> so people think i'm not giving him a shout out because i'm getting free shit but also just the fact that you could find some because i yeah. i tried to find 35 pound dumbbell dumbbells and they were going for like 150 dollars a pair at one point and that was the hard part was getting them yeah like i i talked to joe about it and i was like hey man i need i need some weights we're putting a gym in he was like let me hook you up with bert and i texted bert it was right when we were doing go big show and i kind of dropped the ball and then when we when we i got serious about it my trainer Lacey hit him up and was like yo we're putting in a gym and he's like oh i texted him i'll get everything out there and so that's the hard part yeah but we um we just started doing workouts on the board like she'll write a workout and uh the thing she did today was a thousand k row okay. to warm up uh we do like activations to loosen it up then thousand k row then it was um bench press so we're, i'm just working on chest and shoulders and arms right now yeah glamour so, muscles yeah, yeah. <laughs> glamour muscles bench press uh, flies and inclines five sets of 15 each um and then we did 50 uh 50 curls 50 shrugs and then three uh, the fucking rower is the fucking beast yeah three sets and this is based on nathan florence three sets of 300 meters under a minute so three minutes so 300 meter sprints yeah under a minute and you get a minute break and you just got to do three because i'm trying to build up he did 12 and really? i'm like i'm trying to build up so i can like i go that well so that's a, so now you know where fitness lays is like if you're in great shape you're a pro surfer you can do 12 sets of 300 meters is is tough. that's tough man yeah that's real tough my warm-up is my warm-up is 250 meters a minute it's like a warm-up for me yeah but i can i mean honestly that first fucking 300 meters this is so if you don't work out you're like bird i don't give a fuck about this but if you have been on a row you're like okay that makes sense like i actually went on and started looking at crossfit guys and what they row i looked at back uh fucking action bronson and what he rows he fought he's a savage dude yeah it also helps to be uh because you're semi tall you're tall six one yeah so like it helps to have length for sure yeah uh my workout today was a Started with a 15-minute AMRAP of a 500-meter row, 15 high box jumps, and then 15 pull-ups. And then you did that as many times as you can. And I'm not real strong on the pull-ups. So I'm, not, I'm not strong at all on pull-ups. It took me, I think I got through it two times, and then I was in the middle of the row and time ended. And then we had to do, we had to do heavy power clean, heavy power snatch, and then... Uh, just like some accessory work at the end it's interesting i just started deadlifting and doing cleans and uh i just i've done them before but like 
just started doing them for real yeah and it's interesting like i texted tom because you know tom's dad was like a legit power lifter oh no like tom sewer's dad was like an olympic power lifter really yes like never and so tom grew up in just those movements yeah like you're gonna hang out with your dad you're gonna lift weights and uh and i was like yo what do you deadlift and he was like i don't know like fucking 400 pounds and i was like jesus jesus christ i know and then he goes yeah i mean and by the way he's got a blown out knee yeah fucking hand that barely works and we all saw what happened yeah and he goes he by goes, the way that made me some good money <laughs> oh really because i covered his week in phoenix oh yeah <laughs> yeah like it was like a tuesday night and all of a sudden i get a phone call from my agent he was like hey i you gotta have to go to phoenix this weekend and i'm like what the fuck happened and then i get online and it says tom segura is gonna be there i'm like what the fuck happened to tom oh, segura yeah. and then the next the next day like it's obviously it all came out oh yeah they no one believed it they all thought it was a car accident fuck it, i got i got calls they're going what really happened what were you guys doing yeah yeah and i was like it's basketball. why did they go to car accident because he fucking like gets this guy, he gets, no he gets these expensive cars they give him expensive cars to drive for a week yeah and then he does like a youtube review on them no shit yeah i'm not a car guy so i don't really give a fuck about oh it. dude i'm the biggest car guy for in real? the world yeah wait so like how so like what do you mean like define that because well, like, today i saw a mustang shelby okay and i i don't mean this disrespectfully but like i just was like who the fuck buys that car and yeah, like, no, my I'm, wife goes what do you mean who the fuck buys that it's a mustang shelby and i went yeah i mean i wouldn't buy a new one i'd buy you know if i had four hundred thousand dollars or whatever they are I'd buy an ac cobra for sure i don't even know what that is that's the original cobra hey also can we get some ice for the tequila i want another glass oh, here's of tequila. Some more. Oh, you got more uh like like i love to watch shows about like top the british top gear was like my favorite show forever until it until jeremy clarkson punched a dude and they had to stop doing it is that what happened yeah he punched a producer because he was mad about breakfast for real yeah that's the number one thing don't be a dick on set and you'll work forever don't be a dick ever like and, yeah. and you and i talked about this offline but like the pandemic definitely proved like Hey, the nice guys are going to work in the dark times. Cause I yeah. never really, after the initial shutdown, I never really struggled. Like my work picked right back up and it's because I, I don't try to fuck the staff. I just go do my job. I order dinner. I have, listen, I've gotten to an age now where if you don't have 1942, I'm sorry, I'm not drinking. Yeah. Or, or a tequila of the same, just cause like I'm too old to like drink shitty liquor. Yeah. And so like, and it also helps. Like it helps a lot of things to only drink when you have to or want to. Yeah. And uh so yeah, I, I just like all the all the dudes that didn't try to fuck everybody, one excluded, uh <laughs> seem to be working seem to be working normally. It's interesting. You you've I feel lucky that my vice was always drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Cause I go it just turned me into a fun guy on the road. And I, I can't imagine if you're like, I was it an old David tell joke where he's like, he was like, uh, I'm addicted to cigarettes. They say some people are addicted to fucking kids. I can't imagine that addiction getting off a plane and be like, ah, oh, don't talk to me until I fucked a child. <laughs> By the way, I'm ruining a David tell joke. Yeah. I'm sure it's so much better when he tells it, but like I, 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 I got very lucky in that. And, and I was, I, I, I've been happily married, so I don't, I don't really have a, a thing on the like i don't i don't want to chase things and yeah. i watched a dude chase happiness that i worked with i watched him try to find 
It's like he was famous and he was just, it, I watched things happen where I was like, it's just going to bring you sadness. Like, yeah. Like I, I just was so clear on that. Like that's not going to like, what the fuck? Yeah. Treating people like shit isn't going to, isn't going to bring you Ooh. anything. And it's, it's so funny. You want to just get in front of people and go like, Hey, just stop, man. And then you look at, did you know Eric Myers? Yeah. Very well. Eric was, um, he, you know, he passed, right? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 Then you look at that, like the, his drinking and you go, that's, that's, that's a different ball game. I don't know. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't wrap my head that around that. That dude's demons. You know, I knew Eric literally from the time he started doing comedy. Yeah. You, he, cause he was a Florida guy, right? He was, a but Florida, he was a straight up road dude. He was a straight up road dude, but we were also, uh, we were both repped by Gary Menke for a long time. And I remember, as a matter of fact, coming out to Los Angeles, staying in a hotel with Gary Mankey and Eric Myers. Eric, I think, slept on the floor. Uh, and then, like, Eric did CTV. Like, Pablo was hosting it. Pablo got him the gig. He went up there and he crushed it. And, you know, Gary drove him around. And I love Gary to death. There is not a more terrible driver on the planet. So it just got to the point where I would just stay at the hotel. Yeah. Which I think we ended up having to pay for. Uh <laughs> But like Eric was always he, you know I I don't want to get into it, but he yeah. he was always chasing something, he was always chasing something. And his I never I never saw him drunk. I personally never saw him drunk. Um, but I I was only with him when he was sober, and I only had interactions with him when he was sober. Yeah, no, I I mean I definitely saw him at some dark times, but he was all even in his dark times, he was such a great soul and such a good person. Fucking such a louis ck loved him i loved it like he's one of the most funny comics i've ever seen and he would always ask me to feature for him to feature for me and i'd be like and i wouldn't let him just because it's like hey man we're the same we're both two angry white dudes and i just <laughs> yeah it's not that you're not super funny it's just that it's like there's i like to have con like most of the time i especially here in la i always have a woman open for me yeah uh and then on the road, I usually have Brandon Patrick or Kenny Garcia open for me. And one's a black dude, another Puerto Rican. Like, I just want to have alternate, alternate views, alternate energies too, because yeah. they're both kind of low key. If you just have three white dudes screaming at you for 90 minutes, that's a, that's a five finger death punch show. Like that's a different, <laughs> it's a different like thing. The, so, uh, yeah, you're right. I, I like. I like, I, I, I wasn't cognizant of it, but I always, I always liked, I, my thing was, I always want to work with guys on the road. I want to meet guys on the road. I, you, I don't want to bring anyone. You bring someone. And I said, I actually felt guilty. We were on tour and I was like, I feel bad bringing people because, you know, it would be cool to offer that up to people. And, and Dave Williamson, who obviously white dude, but Dave Williamson was like, you met all of us on the road. Like yeah. I only met these guys because they worked on the road with me, but I was always like, oh, you got to help the local club scene. You got to help the local standup scene is like, you know, fucking go to Portland, have a Portland comic open for you. Yeah. And then meet that dude, hang out with that dude, have a good time with that dude. And you might get a friend. That guy's Shane Torres. Okay. I've known Shane forever. Now, because of that, I worked in. Irvine or in Oxnard New Year's Eve fucking four New Year's Eve's ago and they sent Jesus Trejo yeah. and I and I was like oh fuck it as opposed to bringing someone you could easily bring someone I also just I was I'm never good at like when someone's like who do you want to open for you I was like I don't know just whatever the club's got 
Oh yeah. No, I usually have a list like, and, and like, uh, like I always have very funny women. Like Ambry Allen is very mm-hmm. funny. Crystal Marie is very funny. Uh, but then like on the road, yeah, I have, uh, Brandon Patrick and Kenny Garcia and it's mainly, especially on the road. Like I just bring guys that off stage were or on stage were different, but off stage were pretty similar. Like Kenny and I love sneakers. Brandon and I love weird jazz music. And yeah. like, it's something we can hang out and talk about. They're also just good dudes that I like to hang out with. And I, cause the road is lonely and it's a bad, that's a, that's a Roganism right there is that I remember telling him that I brought, I didn't bring anyone. And he was like, Oh, don't you want the road to be fun? Yeah. I was like, the road is fun. And he was like, yeah, but you can have your friends with you. And I was like, ah, in my head, I was like, ah, and then I started bringing people and I was like, oh, in a weird way, I was like, oh, I get to pick the person I go to lunch with. Yeah. Like, as opposed to, I remember one time working at the Orlando Improv and the I, I, I see the guy that I work with the guy the first night and he was a little bit of a dick. I feel bad if it's he's listening, but he's a little bit dick. And then I run into him downstairs at the lobby and he was like, he was like, you know, I was supposed to headline this weekend. <laughs> and I was like, and in my head, I was like, I've been booked for i was like this, this is yeah, there's you. no way like it, and sometimes you just deal with people like that and you're like i was like i don't want to yeah you're the you reason i bring people that guy is the reason i bring people yeah. it's because i was like i'm fucking done with fucking so many people i've, I've I, and then all of a sudden they think because you're a comic they can bring their drama into it and you're like hey man no. you can't bring your girlfriend into the fucking green room <laughs> and let her smoke a vape pen like like a, just a tobacco vape pen yeah the whole time just blowing out cotton candy uh snowflakes or whatever it's called she can make all the rings she wants to it's not fun i i actually became i actually was friends with someone yeah and i stopped being friends with them i stopped liking them because of the way their uh girlfriend abused the green room and i and this person brought other brought their friends in and i was so bothered by it which you should be. I was like, I, I, I was like, I'm not actually going to say something. I'm going to just stop liking you. Yeah. You should know that I, that this isn't cool. I'm the same way. Like odds are, especially if you're my opener and you fuck up some, like that's ridiculous. I mean, just like, like literally, I remember there was an actual legit Hollywood industry meeting in this green room that was being conducted by the girlfriend. And I was like, Hey man, this isn't your green room and you need to kick her the fuck out. And these three people, dude, I had a feature act Sunday night. Tell me he's like, I'm going to leave right after my set. I was like, yeah, that's fine. He sold CDs in the audience while I was on stage. Like went around at different tables. Like, Hey, you want one to the point where I was like, Hey man, what are you doing? And he goes, Hey man, it's cool. And I, I'd been on stage for two minutes, so I can't, and I wasn't at a place where they were my fans. So I was like, I can't rip this dude because they don't know me. They know him better than they they love him. Yeah. And, but also this dude should fucking know better. And I remember it was at the Toledo improv and I walked or Toledo funny bone. I walked up to Nadia and I said, (laughs) you call Dave Stroop and you tell him that that motherfucker is never working with me again. There's, a, I worked with a guy at Cleveland Improv who had four DVDs, and he set up in front of me. And I go, oh, yeah. hey, man, no, I'm, I'm the headliner. Let's share a table or something. And he was like, nah, bro, you got to get them when you, they come out. And I was like, no, I understand that. No, I get the concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I lay that down when the most features ask. Yeah. 
They go, hey, man, it's all right. I was like, yeah, man. 100%. Separate table. I go first. Yep. And they're like, cool. I remember one time, I won't say his name, but uh, we, were at, we were in Dayton, and uh, it, it was a lot of comics that I knew and liked, and we were all hanging out in the green room, and I was holding court, and he was like, the, the guy did not ask. And it's one of those things where I don't say anything. It doesn't upset me, yeah. but it's definitely a note I put in my brain where I go, all right, well, if this motherfucker ever asked for shit, I'm going to remember that. And uh, like, and I'm the guy that would be like, Hey man, remember dating? He didn't ask. Yeah. That's why I'm not going to do this shit for you. Uh, so he goes, man, when I had line, I don't give a shit. The feature act can sell whatever he wants. What about you? Poor? I go, no, man, I like it when they ask. I had to ask. Everyone should ask. Yep. And he goes, and it was Saturday. We had four shows at this point. He goes, well, is it cool if I sell stuff? And I'm like, nah, nah, dude, you don't get to ask now. We're four shows deep. <laughs> and I, he's still one of my good friends. And like, I love him to death. He's probably the best dress feature act on the planet. But fucking he, uh, yeah, like it was just a thing where I'm like, yeah, you, you should ask. I worked with a dude. I worked with a dude. I wish we could just say names. It's just so, you know, when you talk about like, uh, I, I'm trying to learn. I mean, I'm never gonna, I'm never yeah. gonna, when you talk about power dynamics, you realize like you shouldn't shit on, you should, you know, like, sh like shit on certain people. Cause it, it's, it's unfair. It's, you know, it's unfair. You have a bigger platform. You know, Mike Vecchione was the one that taught me that uh, I was, I had, I had had a bad relationship with a girl and Mike was like, Hey, and I would, I would just say her name. And, uh, and Mike's like, maybe you don't do that. And I was like, why? He was like, I don't know. She shouldn't have like a million people listening to her. She didn't get to tell her side. No one. It's a good call. It's a good call. I was like, that makes sense. And I was like, I actually feel bad. And I was like, thank God I didn't say her name. And he was like, I'm just giving you a heads up. And yeah. so, but I, I worked with the dude one time. I won't say the club. It was a great club. It was a great club. They, they changed venues. The previous club, I'll tell you this so that you can get it. The previous club had a second story and it was a balcony second story. It looked a lot like Virginia Beach. Okay. And they changed clubs and they went into the the typical, it was an improv, typical improv structure of like widespread out. Yeah. It was, it was uh Luke used to run it, um, but he was never there. It was an improv. Yep. Okay. You nailed it. You fucking nailed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. God, I love this. I can tell you, I can almost tell you when people like will post pictures of them in a the gym, I go, You're in Omaha. And they're like, Oh. I could tell you the fucking gyms. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I remember, uh, well, it's not a anything, but I remember I posted a, a boomerang of me on an escalator and Kevin Christie was like, you're the crate and barrel at the Grove. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And you're there too much. If you can call that. <laughs> Nikki Glazer posted a picture of her of a, of a, of a gym. And I go, you're at the micro tell in Des Moines. And she went, <sighs> do you remember when they put us up in that fucking micro tell? <laughs> Oh man, I miss that dude to death, but oh, I don't miss that hotel Paul, at all. Paul Lane, Paul Lane was the guy that owned the Des Moines Funny Bone. His his ex or widow, yes. Leisha, now owns it. Great, runs it. Great, great woman, fucking group. Great, great people. Great people. Paul passed, had a heart attack. By the way, he's probably got to be younger than I am right now when he passed. I think it was fifty six. Oh, maybe maybe not. Yeah, Paul. I have great Paul stories in that. So I, I go, the first time I do that club, he's like, I, I heard you're a partier. I was like, yeah. He goes, all right, get him out to the bar after the show. 
get him out to the bar if we party all weekend like that i'll hit your bonuses and i was like okay so i was like fuck yeah i may not sell out but i'm gonna fucking i did press did good press and then i told everyone go let's go party at the bar paul loved it so i get thursday that's thursday friday morning i get blood work back from my doctor my doctor says i have high cholesterol she goes you need to lower your cholesterol lower your blood pressure and i'm worked up paul sees it i'm worked up and he goes but by the way paul was like fucking i'm gonna it's probably not as big but i need you to understand how big so it's gonna sound like what to the people listening he was like six four three seventy he was a big man he was a big man he was a big man big hands yeah big truck big full head of blonde hair like yeah, he was he, a big dude he was a big dude so he um he said what's uh, what, what, you're not drinking tonight it's first show and i go i got i gotta stay healthy man he's like what i said i just got blood work back from my doctor i said i have high cholesterol he goes not that bad, 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 bad. <laughs> i got the same shit you know what get him what i have for dinner fish and vegetables healthy i went for real he goes yeah fish and vegetables healthy and then you can have a drink lowers your blood pressure i said really he goes glass of wine fish and vegetables so i go to the green room i come back to the bar and i sit next to paul and our meals come up and it is fried fish and chips and a fucking glass of wine i go paul this isn't healthy he goes fish and vegetables <laughs> sadly like two years later he had a heart attack and died <laughs> yeah well which was hilarious because when you were like he made fish and vegetables i was like all they had there was that fucking <laughs> auto fryer that's all they had that's all they you want something well i put it in this thing it comes out the back end and he, it's done dude i made that guy laugh I, I i sincerely made that man laugh so much in that in in i was so different than he was he picked me up one morning for for to go to the airport we had been partying the night before and i go back to the microtel picks me up at like 6 30 to go to the airport yeah he probably hasn't slept and he's got a, a michelada like the budweiser had just come out with the micheladas yeah right? yeah and he has a tall boy michelada and it's ice cold and he goes uh hey got this for you i went oh thanks and i crack it and i start drinking i go this is fucking great and he goes yeah i said yeah i go this is awesome he goes i knew you'd like it and i said how did you because i'm it's actually a tasty drink yeah yeah i go how'd you know i'd like this and he starts giggling to himself and then starts laughing hysterically i go what and he goes I knew you'd like it because you're an alcoholic. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, uh, he was a great. He was a great dude. I remember he. I remember because remember you make you do that radio show for three hours. It was uh, it was Heather, round uh, guy, round guy, and Johnny. No, no, it's Heather. He, he does radio. He does. He does the news now. No, he does. He does television. He now. does television. Yeah. Oh, uh, the fuck, only fuck. Oh, this is horrible. Yeah, yeah, we're bad. We're bad. I want to say Jim. It's not Jim, though. Yeah, and by the way, his radio, his TV shows, show is a fun show to do. Yeah. Let you get Except loose. Except for they have you on there for fucking 38. Okay. <laughs> Only place. So I didn't get to do that show for like three years because I accidentally said fuck on. Because they had you on for like 38 broadcast minutes. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, that's like an hour and a half in regular time. Oh, yeah. Normal... Just so the audience knows, normal morning television, you're on for about 140 seconds. Like, you're on there for like four minutes, maybe. You go on there, and he has done research. God, what is it? What is it? Type, type in Heather. Lou. Lou. It was Lou. It was Lou. It was Lou. Uh, great guy, but yeah, uh, it was like broadcast minute 28. 
I loved it. I loved it. I went in there and they had cocktails and I had a little fucking uh, and I, oh man, no one ever has. First off, I'm not a morning drinker. Oh, I am. I am for radio. I've had some of my best radio appearances morning drinking. But that guy, that he was, he was a great guy on air. Round guy and Heather had tension. Yeah, so yeah. Lou yeah. was the one that drove shit. And then he went on to do tell Heather. I still do Heather's show. I've, I've called into Heather's show. Yep. And Lou then. still does. And Lou's still on the TV. Still but on I TV. said, and I didn't say fuck like fuck. I yeah. was like, you know, it was the fucking uh, the thing. Yeah. And I remember I said it and I was like, I said it. And then I went and we all stopped. And then I just kept going. And this old white man during the commercial break came down and yelled at me in a way that I thought he was kidding. Yeah. So I let it go. And then when he walked away, I was like, oh, I thought he, at the end, he was like, nah, I'm just fucking with you. Like it happens sometimes. We're cool. Yeah. And he never said that. He was super angry about it. It was very obvious that I didn't even mean to say it. And, uh, but yeah, I wasn't allowed on there for a long time. Um, how do we get on this? Because I, 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 we're talking about Paul. Talking about Paul. And he dropped. No, about Des Moines, Microtel, hotels. You could pick a feature. No, about, you were talking about, um, God damn it. There was something I wanted to say about, you could tell by like where someone was, you that where they were. And you were like, oh, I've been there. I've been there so much. Oh, I yeah, can tell yeah, you yeah. that. Uh, gyms, hotels. Like the the hotel they put you up at, at hilarities, and now the improv is very obvious. Oh, I see that. I'm like, that's too easy. Yeah. Also, one of my favorite hotels on the planet. One of the best hotels. One of the best hotels on the planet. The high only arcade. problem is the only problem is a lot of weddings at that. A lot hotel. of weddings, and it, and if you get a fucking room in that ring, yeah, you're like, hey, enough of the chicken dance. I got two shows tomorrow. <laughs> a lot of that. It's- but also every hilt. If you're at a so I smoke, this is, I spend 80% of my time on the road in my bathroom Yes, in, in a smoking week. I've been there with you in yes, Omaha, in Omaha. Uh, that's me every day. And I was watching our good friend, Zach Myers on an Instagram live. And he was with another person. Thought I thought I was safe. And it turns out now you can put a three or four people on an Instagram live. Really? Yeah. And so all of a sudden this thing pops up like Zach Myers wants you to go live. And I was like, no. And I hit it. And now I'm live. I'm high as a kite. Zach Myers is like, can I just, can I just guess what you're doing right now? <laughs> just cause you're in the bathroom. Yeah. He goes, you're at a Hilton garden Inn. you're smoking weed. You're as close to the vent as you can possibly be. So all the smoke sucks out the vent and uh, you're just checking Instagram. And now we're here. And, he was a thousand percent accurate. <laughs> by the way, there's something there. I, I will say one of my favorite nights drinking in a hotel room. If you can normally, when you go into a hotel room, they've got the very uncomfortable couch, the bed, and yeah. you can find maybe someone grabs an office chair. You have your drink set up. There's an intimacy about smoking marijuana with you in a bathroom yeah. where it just, there's, you're like, no, we're just two dudes standing talking. Yeah. And normally the bathrooms are big enough to where it's not weird. Every yeah. once in a while they put you up at like a Motel 6 or a Travel Lodge where it's like, it's a little uncomfortable. But uh, yeah, it's, by the way, if you're ever smoking weed in a hotel, do it. Just check the vent. It's usually sucking out because they want to get all the poop air out. We, we, me and Pete Corielli, Pete, I don't think Pete, I don't know if Pete still smokes. He was a, 
every day all day smoker yeah always always and cigarette smoker we go to denver you know the hotel in denver that's shaped like this and every oh, the renaissance yeah, every room's got a balcony balcony on it so we go and it's a big rotund like big air open air atrium. In the, atrium in the middle so we get we all go back to the hotel and we go back and we had i think we had been we had it was just when weed was legal there so we had bought a bunch of weed and we're all smoking on i had got used my shirt to get ice okay. pete had never seen that i just used my shirt to get ice and then i grabbed we bought a bunch of chips and i opened all the bags of chips on the table and we had chips all different types of chips out there we liked some joints we're sitting out in the thing and he's like this is great we're having the greatest time and the we hear a knock on the door and i go don't worry i'll get it and he's like pete's like don't open it it smells like weed in here i go the windows open we'll be fine no i open the, the door and all the wind from outside yeah, all the weed right out. sucks in and i watch it hit this guy's face and he goes <laughs> you guys can't do that here yeah <laughs> no, it that's, went over my shirtless body that's the classic rook mistake is you open a window you want to be outside and the, everything has to be closed everything has to be closed because as soon as you open that window even if your door's not open it's getting sucked out underneath the door it got sucked out bad yeah and and i remember the guy was like like he looked at me like <laughs> come on like it hit him it went i felt the wind go over my shoulders onto him and i was like it was almost like i also exhaled into his face like <sighs> yeah now we're not doing shit bro <laughs> i want to try mushrooms again i haven't done mushrooms in a really long you time. you know i want to do them again and we should do them together but uh we should call josh so i did josh wolf's high live jo jo right is, right is before he, he moved it, oh okay it was right josh is going hard in the paint he yeah. texted me he was like mushrooms weed edibles whatever you want let's go fucking Dude, it's crazy. And so I had mushrooms over at his place and like all the mushrooms, I, especially during like the last comic standing era, I did mushrooms so much. Really? And then when I toured with the crows, there were just mushrooms everywhere. They, yeah. they would grind them up and make them into capsules and there would just be a, a bottle of mushroom caps. And they, you would just, every, every show would just be just, uh, so, but they always tasted like shit. And then I go over to Josh Wolf's house and I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do some mushrooms with you. He's like, not everyone does them. I was like, I'll do them with you. They don't taste like shit anymore. Really? They taste like communion wafer. So wait, that Josh is such a sneaky partier. Like yeah. he doesn't look like it. He it's looks the like same way that like, like I wear a hat all the time, but I wear a hat on podcasts just so I don't feel like fucking dealing with my, uh, dealing with hair. I don't even have any hair, but like, yeah. I just don't like, I just. If it's parted weird, I just look bald. So I just go, I'll just wear a fucking hat. It's easier for me. Josh has a full head of hair. Yeah. And he still wears a hat all the time. But it's also a hat that is advertising his podcast. But still, but like he's a, the same way he wears hats. He does that with partying. He's like, oh, no, no, no. I like to, like, I remember one time he gave me these uh, edible mints and he just like popped them. Yeah. And I, and I was like, oh, what are those? He's like, oh, it's marijuana, like 20 milligrams. I was like. Well, isn't that a lot? And he was like, well, not for me. Yeah. And I was like, mm. he's hardcore. He's also like sneaky old. <laughs> Wait, how old is he? He's like 87. <laughs> not for real, but like he's old. And he's, he's very, you know, he's very grounded too. You know, he's a grandparent. Yeah, I do know that. A couple of times. Really? We, so, you know, we, we all travel. 
especially a lot of us fly American. We all see each other in Dallas. And yeah. I see Josh. I'm like, what's up, bro? And he's like, oh, I can. So I was like, well, let's, I'm going to the Admiral's Club. Let's go to the Admiral's Club. We go, we hang out. And he's like, yeah, we're just here seeing our grandkids. And I was like, oh, bro. like I did the Scooby-Doo, like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, my God. And he was like, yeah, we got grandkids. I was he's like, 46. He's, he's 46. By the way, he's younger than I am. Get the fuck. There's no way he's 46. FaceTime with my daughter to check my fucking temperature All on right, my brisket. If I can, I just need her to pull one. I'm going to have her pull one. On, hey, will you, che- will you check the brisket one more time? Oh, my God. <laughs> you Please. should have like a Nest Cam attached to no, it. No, I, I should have a, a thing on my phone. Will you just check it? I might need you to pull it and wrap it in tin foil. Please. Boy. In what world? In what world? In this world. In the world where, where I can't even, there's certain things I can't even say to my daughter. <laughs> you should get Andrew to do this for Andrew's, in, Andrew's working. Yeah, this is work. Where's mom? She's hiding from you. Just give me the temps on, give me the temps on my, my briskets. Hey, Mac. Mac is eating She's in the kitchen. Mom's Hi, in the baby. kitchen. Is she on the phone? Yeah. No. Okay. What do we got? One ninety six, one sixty nine. And what's there's a should be one more temperature on there. Which one? So the one with the, the tur- eye grill. Turn it around. Turn it around. So I can see what it. So what's that? Hang on. What's that That's say? One eighty eight. Yeah, one ninety six. 169? Yes. Oh, you're with mom? Yes. Hey, babe, can you do me a favor? Okay. Hold on. Hang on. Can you keep an eye on those? And will you pull that at 200 or 203, anywhere between there? I don't know. I haven't had a phone call about this today, so I'm not sure I can handle it. Oh, I, you're uh, being an ass. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> You know how many fucking phone calls I've had about this to goddamn brisket? <laughs> Ridiculous. I just want to cook a brisket. You were supposed to cook a brisket. I know, but I have to work. <laughs> <laughs> wrap them up, put the thing back in, and put them back in. At 200 or 203, in between 200 and 203. I know. Pull that first one. Pull that first one, okay? Between 200 and 204. Hey. Okay. I think Mac just bit a wasp. No, 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 That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen, Mac. All right. Stop playing with it. 200. All right. I love you guys. Hey, listen, listen, Leanne, Leanne. Dave Supremacy is real. If you, if you, if you pull it at 200, you don't have to wrap it in tinfoil. Just pull it and let it rest, okay? Dave told me to pull it out and wrap it because the cut is so weird. He thinks it's going to no, be dry. Okay. Oh, you've talked to Dave about this? Yes. I've had so many fucking phone calls about this guy. <laughs> is it bad? Okay. All right. Love you. Love you. Listen to Dave. Listen to Dave. Listen to Dave. I love you guys. Thank you. Sweet. You've talked to her about this? Yeah, dude. Oh, fuck. So I am. I was like, I've called you once. What the fuck? Listen, I, and like, I don't mean to stroke you, but I'm like a huge fan of most of the things you do, and you and your wife are fucking hilarious. <sighs> She's fucking, she gets, I must be, I said to Joey, I said something about uh, today, I was like talking about, I go, he was like, dog, the fact that we're still fucking married, 
And I go, oh, I know. But yeah. And he goes, no, dog. <laughs> we've been home for a year and we are big people. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I am. I can be exhausting. Like yeah. I called her last night. I cut, we did a podcast here last night and I opened a bottle of wine. I don't drink and drive at all. So like I just go, if I drink, I just don't drive. And, and I just go, hey, can I, can I ride home? I'll leave my car here. And I don't have a problem coming to get my car in the morning, running to get my car. All that shit at school with me. And so I left my car and she goes, what the fuck are we going to do about this car? And I was like, I don't know. We'll deal with it. We'll figure it out. She was like, wait, your car's just sitting there? And I was like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. She was like, what if it gets stolen? I go, then it gets stolen, I guess. Yeah. And then I got a, I learned a lesson. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I, I I must be exhausting to be. Uh, I remember, so my, my dad, as a kid, traveled 200 days out of the year. Grilling? Uh, barbecuing? No, he was a salesman. Okay, yeah. And uh, I remember, for whatever reason, he was home for too long. And my mom was like, hey, you need to leave. And my dad's like, excuse me? And she was like, yeah, you need to go somewhere. Oh, that is. And my mom, my dad's like, what? He, she's like, yeah, I'm really starting to fucking hate you. So you need to leave. I got into a fight with my wife one time. We were, it was early. It was when I was, it was during a sober October month. Yeah. And I'd been, you know, on the road partying. We get along really well when I'm on the road. And it's a sober October month. I was doing two days. I was going and doing hot spin. And we got into a fight before hot spin about taking the girls to school and what my day looked like and just a, a like a just like a, a a bickering like like I, i'm i'm busy She's yeah like, you're not busy just don't go to this and then you can do that and i said well no but we're doing we have heart rate we have whoops on i gotta get my heart rate up and i was like babe that's part of my business and she was like it's not you're there's a silly competition that you're doing with your friends and i was like yeah so we get into it i go to hot spin i'm driving back from hot spin and i call her and now right now at the time i called her probably 11 o'clock it's when i would normally call her on the road right okay yeah like 10 o'clock maybe eight o'clock nine o'clock whatever i'm calling her on the road and she forgets that i'm home and she goes she forgets that we got into a fight she goes hey babe what are you doing and i was like "Ooh, she seemed cool <laughs> i was like i'm just uh coming home she goes where you just get done radio and i went no she was like what are you doing i said i'm coming home from spin she goes spin you're doing spin on the road and i said no I'm home. And she went, oh, I forgot. <laughs> like an immediately like, flashback. Yeah, she was like, oh. Oh, that's right. But it was so crazy. She so easily for like forgot everything, forgave everything. Yeah. And then and then they were like, oh, yeah, no, no, I am mad at you. Yeah. Oh, it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What was the workout you did the other day? The 15, you said you posted it. 21.3. So, so how does that work? So I, I saw. I've seen people go, I did 15.5. Okay, so the first the first number is the year. Oh. Like 2015, 15.1. All right, so there's a CrossFit open every year. I've never done it. Oh. There's a lot of people that do CrossFit to compete. I do CrossFit so I can eat whatever the fuck I want and look like this. I do CrossFit so I can do this. Yeah. And then also show up tomorrow and, and bust my ass. And bust your... And, also crossfit's a lot of fun i actually enjoy i well, I, don't, I don't know if i do crossfit technically but i enjoy working out i enjoy yeah. i'm really enjoying it a lot well, lately. crossfit hit whatever you're yeah. doing if you're as long as you're changing it like i remember for the longest time i went to 24 hour fitness i had a the same workout every day every you know monday was chest day tuesday was shoulders yeah uh, yeah uh, i i did 
shoulders, buys, chest and tries, and then uh, legs, was it, back and lats, or whatever. Backs like, and lats, and then legs. Legs, and and it was it was monotonous. There was a there was a beauty of the monotony, but then I remember going to my first CrossFit CrossFit class and going like, oh, so if I if I don't look at the board and we're just doing it, then I don't really have any expectations of how crazy this is. Yeah, but also it's like a lot. Like I like doing pull ups. I like. You know what my favorite part is, and it's weird, but my favorite part is dropping the bar at, when you do a huge lift, yeah. and then you're just like, "I'm done with this shit," and it bounces. And you're like, "Yeah, I'm a man." I love. I today uh, we did, um, you know, last week we did I think 15 reps of 50s for bench, but just the dumbbells. We don't have the bar yet. Yeah, just 15, but it was like five times, and and I towards the end I was like, I'm getting gassed. Yeah, and then I did I did for flies i did 25s and for inclines i did 30s and then today i did the fucking 50s i flew through them and then i did 30s for flies and then 35s for inclines and i went oh that's cool like i never really gained strength in my life yeah but i've been so weak as an adult to regain strength you're like oh this is fun i feel healthy i feel like i'm accomplishing something and also like i wasn't this strong when i was like you know a lot of people are like chasing the fitness they were at at 18 i'm so far beyond where i was at 18 years old like i couldn't bench press my body weight at, at I, 18. we just got that rack i want i want to put that rack together i'm dying i said to her today i was lacy i was like i wonder what i can bench because we did one morning drunk doing rogan we wanted to see if we could do 225 i could always do 225 my entire life yeah and i could not and I was stunned. I was my senior year in high school. I couldn't bench press ninety five pounds, which was about what I weighed for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a skinny man, or skinny boy, yeah. really. And yeah, it wasn't until I found CrossFit and found this like regiment where it's like every day's different. You know, there is a heavy, you know, the heavy lifting is part of it, but there's also this weird workout where you're doing pull ups and box jumps. Like I've just always enjoyed like walking in and going, all right, what are we doing today? It's a fun, that's a fun way to look at it going. So tell me what it is. Yeah. And then I just mark like today, like it was just like, you just keep marking the ones off the list and it's just like a checklist. And, and I, but also it's like, it's changed. Barry, it's weird. Barry Katz and I had a long lunch one time and uh, cause he was, we were flirting with working together. It, yeah. it, it didn't pan out, yeah. but um he was like, I see you doing a lot of CrossFit. I was like, yeah, it's really changed the way I looked at just working. Just because like, like right now I'm working on a screenplay and, and doing all this stuff. And it was like before just the fact that like I have to write 120 pages, just the anxiety of that would be like, yeah. I can't do this. There's no way. And I would just give up before I even started. And CrossFit, a lot of the times, like you'd walk in and you were like, I can't fucking do this yeah like there's no way i can do all this and then you do it just because you're there and you're like oh i can do it if you just and it just changed the way i i look towards things and it's like no you can do it you just have to have a plan you have to figure out how you're going to do it also signing up for master class helps and uh but What's yeah master class? you don't know what master class is uh -uh. it's a service it's like i uh asked for it for christmas just because you know you reach a level at, at where you just buy whatever you want. So come Christmas, you're just like, what haven't I bought myself? So masterclass, it's a app on all the, all the devices, but really? it's got all these classes. Like I've watched stuff on negotiation, uh, like, and then I watched one on screenwriting with 
fucking Aaron Sorkin. And it was just, it was, I just watched it because I was cooking dinner and I didn't have another one to watch. And he just started talking about writing a movie and his, like they started talking about, he goes, uh, Masterclass. Master. It's like 120 bucks a year, man. And you just watch it. I, I do it on the road. It's an app. It's an app, but it's also like a thousand different videos. I think I might have to get into this. Dude, it's great. It's totally worth it. The the uh Judd Apatow has a comedy one. Uh Timbaland has one in case you're into wanting to make beats. Hardcore into wanting to make beats. I kind of want to be a DJ. Well, I brought you records. Oh yeah, show me the records. Okay. So I know you're in eight thirty. Oh. Oh my god, I was like, fuck, we did a fucking <laughs> Masterclass. I'm getting it right now. Hold on. Oh, it's expensive, huh? Yeah, it's not cheap. It's like 120. Is oh, it? It's almost double clicked 120 bucks. <laughs> All right. So they're my records. And, you know, my comedy is what it is. But I just brought it to like show you, uh, like, cool. I always try to, I don't sell t shirts or anything. Yeah. Because uh, I don't have a merch guy. So I do records, but like all my records are different. Like this is my first special and this one's uh, blue. Oh, wow. And then it's got a, this is an actual painting of me uh, that That's a kid city badass. artist did. Uh, yeah. So I brought you that one. Oh, hell yeah. And we were thinking about doing a, a wall of, cause vinyls are pretty popular with comics now. Yeah. And doing a straight up wall of vinyls. Well, I brought you two. So you're halfway there. This is my favorite. This is my newest special, uh, A Man from Kansas. And I remember I went into Comedy Dynamics thinking I was going to have to fight really hard for this. And the meeting took like four minutes because really Comedy Dynamics is pretty awesome. Uh, so it's called A Man from Kansas. The entire uh, front side of the record is the Great Seal of Kansas. Oh, my God. And then on the other side, it says Admit Me Free uh, because Kansas is a free state, although there was a debate uh holy but, shit but yeah i've never put any thought into my vinyls my vinyls are right there that's secret time yeah and then hey big boy and i i got them not thinking and, and like i i guess i guess they did i didn't even want to do them i didn't care yeah. to do them but they did them for uh i think for grammy nominations they have to make a album oh okay and so they made both of them and it's my two favorite things that I have. I really love them. And I love comedy vinyls. Like I have Sam Kinison. I have uh, Andy Griffin. I have I have a bunch of Richard Pryor. I have Eddie Murphy. I bought a bunch because I was like, I was, I was in Sacramento one weekend. They had a great vinyl place over by Laughs Unlimited. Okay. And I just went through and started going through. I was like, fuck these. And they were cheap at the time. Yeah. And I loved it. And then you throw them on and you hear it. And it's got the crackle. Do it. Those crackle. old school ones. It's, dude. That word's crazy is, a, is one of my favorite. Oh, records. yeah. 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 <laughs> I have that one. And then, and then Lynn Shawcroft gave me uh, a Mitch Hedberg box set in Get the vinyl. Fuck out of here. And she was like, I, you know, you're a fan of Mitch. And I was like, and I, I really started, and I thought to myself, I should do, I should do like a wall of my friends of like yeah. all my friends' vinyls so that when people come in, they know. Like, at least so that, you know, you do the podcast. You're like, oh, I don't talk shit about that guy. He's up on his wall. <laughs> uh, Lynn, first off, Lynn is one of my favorite people on the planet. I love Lynn. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get to open for Mitch Ooh. a lot uh, 
er, you know, obviously before he passed. And uh, you didn't do any dates after? No, no, it was weird. Guys, this next guy is. It's, it's going to take him a while to get to this stage. It's we paid a lot in electricity to get him up here. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no, it was. Um, Mitch and I worked together in Fort Lauderdale, and this is. Now that it's like there's been a special about it, so I can talk about it. Yeah. I feel like, but this this is just the kid I was at the time. But because I just thought, no way anyone I know is doing heroin. Right. I, well, I feel that way with racism. Yeah. I go. I hear people talk about seeing. I see racist videos, and I go, "For real? Like who the fuck does that?" So I remember being outside with Mitch and my buddy Sleepy who came down to Fort Lauderdale because he wanted to go on vacation. He also sold me really shitty weed for a couple of years. Okay. Uh, but I just remember having smoking a joint with Mitch and I go, hey man, just so you know, everyone thinks you do heroin. And he was like, what? I go, yeah, man, everyone thinks you do heroin. And he was like, well, that's good to know. And not knowing that he very much did heroin <laughs> at the time. <laughs> very much did. Yeah, and I was like, uh, yeah, I just think you should. I don't know who you, you just were like. Hey, man, I know you smoke weed. Yeah, there's Everyone no way you heroin. do heroin, like because just in my mind, I was like, only Janis Joplin and the Rolling Stones do heroin. Like yeah. that's it. And then it, you know, and then I, I don't know if that ingratiated me with him or whatever, but he started calling me to open for him. He got he's the one that got me into Stardom. Really? Yeah. Uh, brought me into what was he like? What was he like to be around? Did you go to lunch with him and stuff? No, no, like, okay, so when I worked with him, he was in Fort Lauderdale, he was still using and and he would just like disappear, but he was always, he'd always show up for the shows, but there were definitely times where everyone's like, where the fuck is Mitch? And then, uh, and then I like, I remember that, that weekend he like changed hotels and didn't tell anybody. He was just like, and then when he showed up, he was like, I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Why would I stay in plantation yeah. when I could be at the beach? Makes sense. Makes sense. Absolutely. And uh, and then when we worked together at the Stardome was after he, all the shit happened in Dallas and he almost lost a leg. Ugh. And so he wasn't using, but he was drinking massive amounts of vodka. Was he really? Yeah. And uh, it was still like, <laughs> I remember going out on stage and I would tell jokes about how I like, I need mushrooms and weed. And then Mitch would come out and go, yeah, Chris was talking about any mushroom. Weed. I like to add cocaine and Xanax <laughs> to that drug shopping list. And, uh, and I just remember I would go out and sell, this was before Mitch sold merch of any sort. And yeah. I would go out and sell t-shirts and then people would just hand me drugs. And then I would go back and we'd, we'd divvy it all up. And wow how fuck i remember doing radio one time and people brought in drugs for us and i was with friends that i grew up with they were they ended up showing up it was in tampa and they ended up doing them <laughs> yeah, I, no I don't do like, strange drugs i was like i was like wait guys just so you know we don't take pills we don't know what they are no. and they were like yeah we do <laughs> i was like wow dude i remember i on that same weekend someone brought me wet mushrooms like brand new mushrooms in Florida. No, this was at Birmingham. Oh, okay, yeah. And it was that that same Mitch week, and uh, I remember getting home and ordering a pizza, and I was like, and I choked down these mushrooms. I remember that feeling. And I was like, and then I forty five minutes into it, I was like, I got I don't know what the fuck I just ate, but it was not mushrooms. And then an hour, but 
20 minutes after that, I was like, no, that was totally mushrooms. Holy Christ. <laughs> I remember someone, I remember someone in college eating, we ate a bunch of mushrooms and we had just put, we had my car and I wasn't driving. Someone who didn't eat mushrooms was driving and I had put rain X all over the windows. Is like So it just beat up real good? And I was in the front seat losing my mind as rain x beat it and just went <laughs> and i was like fuck me and i look back and in the back seat i was in it i had a jetta three friends have their faces back and they're watching rain run off the back oh, window no and i remember going like fuck we went we went we went inner tubing down the Ishnatuckney. it was one of the Is this funnest, in florida yeah the Ishnatuckney. And it it was the I the first time I think it was the first time I ever did mushrooms, and it was so much fucking fun. We giggled the whole time. It was very like it was is the way you're supposed to do mushrooms. It was in my opinion, it was in the day, so it was like. Yeah. And but it started raining, and we all walked into a bathroom uh, right before we put our our inner tubes in. No one drank beer. No one drank beer. Like just all ate mushrooms. And then we got in our inner tubes and started floating. And then, but it was like positive energy. And we were all like tethered to each other and we were giggling. And thunder started hitting right when the mushrooms kicked in. Thunder was hitting and you could hear it. But it was so, it's so, it was so overgrown Florida because it's on a river. It's in the middle of nowhere that we thought it was Jurassic Park. <laughs> and we started giggling. We're like, this is Jurassic Park. <laughs> and it was such a great, great, great experience. I have I I look back and then I've had bad bad ones not bad ones but not but not as enjoyable. Yeah, mushrooms in the day for me were always like a a shoe in, for sure. Everything in the day I like weed in the day. I mean I like weed at night too, but but yeah, mushroom especially mushrooms. Like if the first time you do, you definitely need to be somewhere that's comfortable. Even the first couple times I remember I did bunch of mushrooms at red rocks for an almond brothers chris oh, robinson fuck, thing yes and then i ended up getting into a fight trying to find a seat like i ended up like arguing with this dude and it was like at that onset of mushrooms where it's very amphetamine like you're just like yeah. and like we ended up screaming at each other and i was and then we ended up sitting next to each other for the rest of the show like it was the weirdest thing we we're like yeah man sorry about that and, yeah. But yeah, you just caught me at the wrong end of the it's, trip. It's, in, it's interesting. It's some of the greatest shows to take mushrooms at that there is an agroness of like people. I don't mean this like people that don't belong there, but people that are not the kind of fan you are yeah. that show up and they want to step in front of you and you're like, I had a good spot. Yeah. Like, and I'm not like. And, and also, just because I gave this guy a foot and a half doesn't mean you get to stand there. Right. This is me just giving personal space. I remember I remember wanting to spit in a girl's hair and I was so angry. <laughs> I was at a Wilco show. Fair and we enough. Had, we had uh we had these little cookies that were, you know, lemon cookies that were edibles. Yeah. Didn't eat a lot, but ate enough. And uh and had a few beers and just the perfect buzz where you feel like your body lifts up and you're just kind of like floating. And I just felt really good. And this girl just, 
excuse me. And I was like, first of all, in my head, I wanted to go like, you're not a Wilco fan. Why the yeah. fuck are you here? Like, I know what you like. You're not yeah. a fucking fat dad. That's who they make music for. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was like, you're fucking just at a show. And you where's the- your dream catcher tattoo? God damn it, man. And I was so angry at her. And I said, uh, I said something like, Ex- excuse me. Like I have a beer sitting like right there. She was like, well, get it then. And I was like, eh, I want to spit in your hair so bad. <laughs> I wanted to spit in her hair so bad. I thought about that. I that I can tell you where I was standing. I can tell you the venue, <laughs> all of the fucking shit. And yeah. then you get my wife could see I was losing my shit. She's like, stop. I was like, I can't stop. No, I can't stop. I've, 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 I've gone full Karen right now. Dude, I'm the same way. You get me on something. I will literally just settle, especially at a concert. Like, I'm just trying to have a good time. And if you ruin it anyway, that's all I will focus on for the rest oh. of the time. Oh, oh, that is, that's my Karen energy. Like when yeah. you go, like when you see a Karen that fucking lights up and starts yelling at someone because they're barbecuing in a park or whatever, and <laughs> whatever the fuck the Karens do. Or happen to be a minority. I, I could be Karen. I could Karen the fuck out of people at concerts. Oh, for sure. Oh, dude. Um. My dad had to pull me off a dude because he was being an idiot and he backed into my mom. And like not and kind of gave her a look like what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, and I went, I go, the I go, excuse me. My dad's like, hey, hey, let it go. And I an hour later, if I would have saw that dude, I would have fucking punched him in the face. You know, it's so funny. I got into a fight with a guy who had a uh a gore uh who did Gore run with? Gore was it? Gore? Who? Who did? Who was he? No, Gore. Al Al Gore. Al Gore and shit. Type in Al Gore. What? Maybe he was. It was Clinton Gore. It was a Clinton Gore sticker. Was it? And it was. It was a. It was a, a unique looking. Uh, Audi or or Volvo. Okay. Old school Volvo, unique looking. And the guy was such a cunt. And I remember thinking, you, your personality doesn't line up with your politics. Yeah. Like, I remember being, we were on Ventura over by Ventura in Laurel Canyon. And the guy uh, zoomed in front of me, cut me off. And then I kind of gave him a honk. And then he punched his brakes. Yeah. So like fucking. And I was like, in my head, I was like, this couldn't have been his car. Like, he must have bought a used car that had this sticker. For- a guy that supports Clinton Gore doesn't do that. And I was just like, whatever. And I pulled up next to him. I did two things. I let him win the argument and he was an asshole. I let him win the argument. So I, I thought, I, I thought if I allow him to succeed here, he'll continue this behavior. And then one day he's going to get the shit beaten out of him. I'm never going to be the guy that beats the shit out of him. Yeah. But if he thinks that this behavior works, then one day it's going to catch up with him. And then the other thing I thought was, I'll never forget this car. I'll never forget this car. I feel like, and I know I'm wrong, but I feel like you should get out of a, assault charge if you were like he was being an asshole and i was trying to teach him a lesson oh because you know he's done the, your honor you know he does this shit all the time yes and i'm just trying to fucking put a stop to it you want to hear you want to hear the ultimate fucking ultimate so me and the girls are walking to school one day this this happened it happened when the it happened when the girls were in grade school. So Georgia was in fifth grade, I was in third grade. Okay, so this is a while ago, and we walk out. Now our street is a one way street, but also there's a lot of shit at the end of our street. You've been to my house, right? Is this not your house? No, this is now, but oh, the okay. other one, the, the other old. one we have, yeah, a smaller uh, house. Yeah, I yeah. was there. Yeah, yeah. And so there was a lot of shit there. So a lot of times people would 
go to get their shit, and then they just drive the wrong way on, a, on our street, which is a one-way street. It's very cool. It happens all the time. Can't attach energy to it because you can't change it, Bert, so let it happen. <laughs> You're not going to affect change. Let it happen. So one day we walk out, and a guy zooms up. Me and the girls, girls are on their bikes. Me and Leanne are getting on our bikes, and a guy zooms up by us like fucking vroom, and all, almost could have very easily hit one of the girls. And I go, hey, asshole. And the guy is already now past us and he stops, puts it in reverse and comes up and he goes, you have a problem. Now, by the way, he's an older man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not my age. He's maybe like, I'll say 65. So he's you're a, not worried about it. I'm not worried, but he was so aggro. You have a fucking problem. And I was like, hey, you almost hit my children. And he goes, get out of the middle of the street i said this is a one-way street you're not supposed to be going this direction and he goes i live around here that was it's always everyone's yeah. Fucking, <laughs> yeah like i live around here i can break the law because i live around here and so yeah. this is my local place that means nothing i go learn how to fucking drive asshole and he goes you you want you a problem and i said i have a definite fucking problem leanne goes bert we're going to school and now the girls are like dad and i'm like go fuck yourself and he yeah. goes fuck you and he takes off right literally literally <laughs> i'm gonna say three weeks later that's not real maybe two months later two okay. months later because that's probably real it felt like the next day <laughs> i see that same guy and he's with his wife and his wife is reteaching him to walk he has had a stroke no way and he is walking up my street face is gone like yeah. this to the side arms gone legs gone and he's walking and they're walking from their same local spot that they go and i see him and i pull down the street and he makes eye contact with me he knows what house i lived in he saw me come out of the house and i thought there's a lesson to be learned there yeah. i don't know what it is i mean i guess don't be a fucking asshole and you don't get strokes i don't know but like i remember looking at him going this motherfucker lived his life in this like fuck you fuck you go suck yeah. my dick and it got him yeah and and that shit builds up and one day as opposed to being the person that just goes like take the charge man like whatever and, and by the way i was being an asshole to him too like yeah. i was right back at him but i i looked at that and i was like don't be that guy don't be the guy that's like oh i fucking live here yeah, like that yeah. energy is so fucking unhealthy but he didn't roll down the window and go looking good bro oh i wish i'd i've i i i was so sad i was so yeah. sad looking at him and he saw me pulling into the fucking house so Ooh. i uh similar story not quite the same i'm no longer like legally i'm not allowed at the power and light district in kansas city because one night we were there drinking and we we're at a, the the power and light district is basically a bar mall Okay. Like there's just like 18 bars and you can walk to a thousand of them. We're at the country bar and it's got, instead of a velvet rope, it's got a real rope with like wooden. Yeah. What are those called? Scott. They're not sconces. I know what you're talking about. Like the. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, my cousin goes, man, these, these things are shitty. And he like, like, look how weak these are. And he pushes one over and he, Puts and he picks it back up and puts it right back where it was. Yeah. Next thing I, I know, we're surrounded by six security people. My cousin is humongous and built, especially at the time, is just a just a giant muscle. And they come up 
and they're like, you guys need to leave. And I was like, what? And they go, yeah, you, your buddy knocked over the, whatever it is. I go, yeah, but he picked it up. He was just showing me how fucking weak it was. And he was like, yeah, no, no, you got to go. And he put his arms on my cousin. So I put my hands on him, not aggressively, but I, I go, Hey, fuck you. And then I had more things to say, <laughs> but weird. Fuck. I'm just starting right now. Yeah, no, that way. was my intro it was like, <laughs> fuck you. And then, and, uh, cut to, I'm wrestling eight dudes. Ooh. Like they just came at me and I'm, I'm trying to push them off. And I, and I, and it long story short, I get arrested for trespassing and then hired a lawyer. Never. They were like, he was there for 30 seconds after you told him to leave and then you arrested him. So yeah. it was like, there was no trespassing. And, uh, but I remember the dude. So then my sister worked at that same bar mall. Oh. So I walked a month late, two months later, she calls and like, I forgot my ID. I forgot something. I'm in town. I was like, I'll bring it to you. No problem. I bring it to her. Now I'm surrounded by six security dudes. And they're like, can we see your ID? I was like, no, I haven't done anything wrong. I was like, I literally brought my sister, whatever the fuck it was. And uh, anyway, the lead dude was the same dude that was the oh dick. God. He ended up getting hit by a car during a scuffle. And it took everything inside of me not to send him flowers and be like, sorry about the car. Fuck. I love on-demand things, whether it's blockbuster movies being released at home. I love that. I love food delivery. I love I love anything that the fact grocery shopping online, curbside pickup, remote health checkups. I mean everything. I just did a, a doctor's visit on I love it. Your customers have grown to expect a simpler way of doing business, no matter what your product. And that's why more than 90,000 local businesses of all size have turned to Podium. Whether you have one location or a thousand, Podium can help you stay ahead. Podium makes doing business as easy as sending a text. When the text gets opened, business gets done. All your employees can text from a single inbox, offering a smoother experience for your customer. Answering questions? Send a text. Collecting reviews? Send a text. Scheduling an appointment for de or delivery? Send a text. Payment collection? Just send a text. Car dealerships are selling more cars by offering text messages. A dealer just sold a $50,000 truck in four text messages. How easy is that? Dealerships are running profitable service centers with easier appointment schedules and reminders. Home service providers are responding faster and winning more jobs than their competition. Retailers are increasing the revenue by allowing customers to shop via text messages. Local service professionals, I just had someone come over to my house via text the girls are happy about it today customers expect on demand everything even from local businesses stay ahead of the competition with podium they have free plans for growing businesses plus all the power growing businesses need to scale get started today for free at podium.com slash bert that's podium.com slash bert this podcast is brought to you by bird dogs. Bird dogs are my favorite. I'd say all season short because I live in California. So it's an all season short for me. It's perfect for a Sunday. These pants are perfect for me on a Sunday. 
when you are in the pool, grilling, watching TV. They dry so quickly. Start your day off with a workout, get into the sauna, jump in the pool, throw on some dogs on the, on the grill, have a few cold beers. And at the end of the night, you're sitting in those exact same pants. They are bone dry and you're having a cigar by the fire pit. I mean, they've got great, I, I should read some of their copy. I always get lost. I, these are pants I actually wear. It's peak summer, which means bird dog shorts are back. They are they're the best, most comfortable pair of shorts that have ever existed. They have great soft built-in underwear. That's what I was talking about. That's why you can work out in them. And they're perfect for doing literally anything. That's what I just said. Beach, golf, brunch, pool. They're short shorts of the summer. Bird Dogs stole Lululemon's designer and are just doing it better. And Bird Dogs' new summer styles are on their website. Check out the summer styles. Um, I have I have a pair of uh, seersuckers ones that I, I cannot stop wearing. And I mean, look, let's be really honest. American flag ones. Uh, all day, every day. Go to birddogs.com and enter the promo code bird, and they're going to throw in a free bird dogs whistle tip football. It's exactly like those Nerf footballs that you used to have as a kid. They must have beach toy of the summer. That's birddogs.com and use the promo code bird, and boom, a free bird dogs whistle tip football with your pair of bird dogs. You will not take, you will not take these things off. I promise you. Your wife might, but you won't. I think about sometimes like bad stuff happening to people and the people that celebrate it. Yeah. And the people that go, Oh yeah, it's bad. Like, like, I don't think bad things should happen to anybody. No, I don't. But also if you've done some seriously bad shit to but me, yeah, but there's a lot of people I think that should get cancer that don't have it. Yeah. I go, how do you not have cancer? Like karma is one thing. Like it should, you should have cancer. Like how the <laughs> fuck do you not have cancer? Like, how do but, good people, how do children get cancer? How does a child get brain cancer and you don't have it? But also when homeboy got the stroke, you're kind of like, yeah, man, maybe if you weren't so fucking high wired all the time. Maybe if you had a little bit of fucking empathy, empathy in your life, you go like, like, I, I don't, I, I, I mean, I, I look, I try not to live in absolutes. I had a buddy who ended up killing himself because he lived in absolutes. He lived in absolutes. And it was like. It was like uh like lived in absolutes how like uh, janine garofalo one time uh, janine garofalo said she was like a vegetarian or if someone i, I mean, i'm paraphrasing it's my memory my memory's shit my janine garofalo said she was a vegetarian and he was like and that she would never eat meat again and he lost his shit he was like fuck her yeah fuck her forever and i was like well i love janine garofalo so i was like well hold on what do you mean she's pretty sexy yeah. and he was like no <laughs> He goes, anyone who says this is it forever, fuck him. Like he would, he would just, he would get a tethered to like the idea that like certain things would fucking turn him off. Like I love good gossip and he hated gossip. Yeah. And he could never rectify, he could never like wrangle the fact that I liked gossip, that I But you like gossip. gossip for entertainment value. You don't believe most of it. I like, I like when we talk shit. Yeah. Like yeah I yeah. just got some good gossip on my phone that I'll share with you later. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, but like, I like gossip like with us with the comics speaking like, of gossip please uh just because like what we're gonna great what a great name for a podcast uh we're just good friends gossip. and i and and we've never discussed this but is the van wilder movie a, about you and is that a sore subject that i bring up something bad no 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 not at all uh it's uh it's kind of tricky because i had nothing to do with it so i was written up in rolling stone magazine as the number one part of the country me and that journalist 
sold the rights to our life to Oliver Stone. Okay. And so rights to my life and then the rights to the article. So they were tethered. And uh, and they were like, you know, we want to do a movie about this journalist finding this party animal and the journalist changes and the party animal changes. And I was like, cool. I wrote a script with a guy named Keith Henstreet called The Undergraduates. Okay. And I sent it in to Oliver Stone's company and they were like, nah, this isn't what we're looking for. It's got to be attached to the writer. I was like, what? And they're like, it's because it was the article that was, got sold. Yeah. It had to be attached to the writer and the kid. And I was like, all right, whatever. I don't, I don't have any interest in writing that movie. And so I just, I ended up doing this deal with Will Smith and then. So they wanted more of like an almost famous kind of film. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Actually, yeah. that's a really good analogy. And, uh, and then I was like, whatever. I just ended up doing a show with Will Smith and then Will Smith and I developed something very similar to probably actually not very similar to Van Wilder, but like, uh, what was the, the cat that used to not top cat. Was it top cat? Top cat. I don't know. I, yeah. Sergeant Bilko was about one guy who kind of had everything wired. Anyway, okay. we ended up doing a show about this guy that was at college that had everything wired at college. And, and he was a seven year senior. It was similar to Van Wilder, but no, Imagine if you take the the journalist out of it, I guess. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I haven't seen Ben Wilder, so I so everything. Oh, I'm, you've never I'm seen never it. Seen, I've never seen it. So, which uh, is interesting because I've never seen Breaking Bad because I went to producers for Jamie Paul's part. Really? Yeah. And I don't have any ill. I feel the same will, way. I feel the same way about Van Wilder because Jamie Jamie originally that part was only supposed to be two episodes, and the kid dies. Really, and then Jamie Paul was so great, yeah, that the test audiences were like, "You can't kill this kid." He's pretty fucking badass, that yeah. dude. But yeah, and so so I ended up doing a show with Will Smith. Didn't get picked up. We were at Fox, and then I end up getting a TV show, and I'm, I'm I have a TV show, and and then I'm doing another show. I have another deal at CBS, and then I get a call from my agents, and they're like, "Hey, man, that movie that you were developing that turned into a real thing. Like they made it." And I was like, "What?" And they're like, yeah, it's called Van Wilder. And I had seen the poster for it, like, over, it was, there was, like, a, po a billboard or something. There was something for it. I wasn't unfamiliar with it. And I was like, shut the fuck up. I was a big fan of Ryan Reynolds because of Two Guys, A Girl, in a Pizza Place. Okay. And the guy that wrote my first pilot, the one that we, about, not Van Wilder, but the one about me being a party in my college, he wrote for Two Guys, Girl in a Pizza Place. And he would fucking blow up Ryan Reynolds about how what if this kid's going to be a star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. And I liked him. By the way, I also found a parallel between Ryan Reynolds and Dane Cook. And I liked Dane. And so I, I loved Ryan Reynolds. So anyway, they call me up. I was, I can tell you where I was. I was on Venice over by, uh, that there used to be a Starbucks in Venice by like a, a, a I only, by the, the Sony lot. Okay. And um, I got a call from my managers and agents and they're like, hey, we're gonna, uh, shout out to Barry Katz on this, by the way. They're like, hey, the movie that you were developing, it got made and they're, and it's going out into movie theaters and we'd like to sue. And I was like, okay. Cause I, you know, I don't know anything. And I was like, okay. And they're like, yeah, we just want to get on the phone, get everyone's attack plan and Barry Katz off on the phone. And he was like, I'm, I'm catch, you know, Barry, catch me up, Papa. What are we talking about here? Is he still rep you? At the time. No, 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 no. no okay. I, don't, I don't work with Barry anymore. But, but, but Barry's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. And he said, uh, they said, so you remember that movie you were developing? It's They got, they made it. And it's called Van Wilder. And um, we want to sue. And Barry was like, okay, how do you feel, Papa? And I said, 
I said, I don't know, Barry. I mean, I guess we should sue, right? How much money do you think we'll make? And Barry goes, well, I'm going to tell you one thing. There's two types of people in this industry, Papa. There's people who work and there's people who sue. <laughs> and I said, really? And he goes, pick which one you want to be. Because yeah. if you sue, you'll never work again. And I was like, I'm already working. And and I didn't have like, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't my story. I didn't write it. I had nothing to do with it. It was yeah. just, I guess they read the article and they created the. But nothing about that movie is similar to your Nothing story. similar to my life at all. Oh, okay. I, by the way, I haven't seen the movie. I know that my friend's names are still in it. That's the only thing I know. Oh, okay. Is they kept my friend's names, which bummed me out at the time because I had this, I have a, my buddy Hutch is like, that's the best name ever for a character. Yeah. And they kept that in. They give that to that guy. Tech nine is tech nine was a, a Kansas city from, rapper not that tech nine. Oh, okay by the way shout out to that tech nine i actually know that tech nine dude i almost got almost got ivs with that tech nine you want to talk about a dude that worked really hard and 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 lived in relative obscurity for a while yeah he's a great fucking great guy he's a great dude i remember you remember deja vu in columbia missouri yeah yeah one night I was doing the, sh I was headlining. He showed up, he wrapped downstairs to like this. He brought it. He just literally brought a CD said, they, and then he wrapped over it. And then we hung out in the VIP room and he brought these like super hot girls with him. And I go, and one of them's dancing on him. And he, we kind of make eye contact and I go, man, it sucks to be you. And he just starts laughing. And I go, what's up? And he goes, that's literally the tagline to my next hit. And the next, that song came out. He was like, sucks to be me. And like, but he was like the first from Kansas city. Yeah. He was the first light that you could see. That was like, you can do shit. Like you can be from Kansas city and you can make waves. It's crazy. The way this business has changed so much and that you can do your own thing and make your own thing and make it for real. Like, like just go like, ah, oh, fuck everyone else. I'm going to do it. Um, just keep i mean and it took like to me tech nine's best record is still as angelic which is like his first yeah. one and but that didn't it didn't blow him up it made a name for him and then he you know you do a track with the yin yang twins and all of a sudden you're humongous we we were supposed to do uh hydration therapy yeah vibe and rally i think is the name of the company i think out of kansas city i hope so and they said, hey, do you want to do it with Tech 9 He's like a friend of ours. And we were like, fuck yeah. And then because of COVID, it was just too complicated because it was yeah. like, we were, we were all lined up to be doing it. And I was like, ah, we couldn't do it. But we ended up listening to a bunch of Tech 9 on the bus. Dude, one of the coolest things when the Royals were in the oh. World Series 14 and 15 was seeing Tech right behind the home plate. And you were just like, there's a dude that started from nothing. Stayed in Kansas City and just kept working, and now he owns the four most expensive seats in the in the country right now. Yeah, you think to yourself, right? Here's I I always had this mentality of like, so podcasting right now, we're all fighting for like glo global supremacy is the wrong word, but like, but also that's what like, you're that's you're the you're trying to make it as big as you can get it in the you're, world you're right? hoping for rogan supremacy yeah right and so but then i go what if you just what if like my buddy tom hayslip my my is a friend of our family friends 
It's like our our best family friends. Yeah. We, he's very simple. He's a movie producer and he has really nice, he lives a very nice life, but he's, his mentality is very simple. He doesn't wear a lot of different clothes. He wears a lot of the same clothes. Yeah. He likes the same drink. He likes certain things. Like he always likes to make, eat things out of a bowl, like just little things that are just very eccentric, but very him. Yeah. And one day we're in the beach in Clearwater and I was really frustrated. I was like, why am I not like, what, what's going on with me? He's got a, a, a beautiful house at the time. Well, we have when our was house. This? What? When was this? This was, uh, it was a while ago. Okay. It's when I was on travel channel. Okay. And he goes, can I, I tell you what your problem is? I said, yeah. And he goes, you're all over the map. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you, you, you're like, I want to be a podcast. I want to have a television show. I want to do stand up. I want to do a special, but I'm not, he's like, you, and I said, but you have so you've, you've accomplished so much. He goes, no, no, no. I'm a very simple person. He goes, I say to myself, I want a bigger house. So then I just look at my finances and I skinny them up until I can afford a bigger house and know where my nut is. Yeah. And then I get that bigger house. And then, then I say, cool, what do I want now? And so I go, well, I, I would like a, a second house in Atlanta that I can rent out. And I go, okay. So I look at the budget and I, and he goes, I'm very simple. I just do the job I do and I get the things I want. And he goes, you need to figure out what you want. And, and then he did this breakdown. I ended up not doing it, but he goes, we're, let's start here where do you want to live this is by the way before everyone started leaving los angeles he goes where do you want to live and i said anywhere he goes no no, no parameters on anything where do you want to live i said key west he goes okay how could you afford to live in key west i said i, I mean i don't know i stand up and podcasting he goes what if you did like a podcast in key west that was just based out of key west and he goes let me let me pivot you for a second he goes they're making a lot of movies out of cuba could you live in cuba i said i would love to live in cuba he goes, what if I said, we could get you a podcast out of Cuba and all these celebrities that come to shoot movies in Cuba, you go in and they, you that's your people that are on your podcast. And I was like, this would be fucking great. And he goes, well, why don't you move to Cuba and start a podcast and just very simply start there and then build and then get a nice house in Cuba and you can live your life that you want to live in Cuba. It was so simplistic yeah. that I was like, yeah, what the fuck am I doing in LA? Like I'm all over the map in LA trying to do like, just throw a bunch of fucking lures in the water, hoping something hits throw shit against the wall. And I think that with podcasting is, I think there are people probably listening right now that go, that go, I want to start a podcast. And I go, why put your foot in the fucking water up against Rogan and fucking you? Bill Burr? Not, not, I mean, but like, you know, all these big podcasts, why not go super small? Why not start a podcast and tech nine it, start a podcast in Kansas city yep. and go, I'm going to, own kansas city and go and start going up to and just build just do specific kansas city shit have all the royals on your podcast have all the chiefs on your podcast get all the fucking start with the linemen you know their podcast fans <laughs> <laughs> and then just and then just slow roll it and then go let's go to a car dealership let's get ourselves the way basic radio is running why not do a podcast that way that's what i did with my career like i watch so many people Especially when you first start, you know, you start in yeah. Florida, like when you're 18 months in two years in, there's definitely like your growth becomes exponential and there's people that make it. And there's people that you see aren't going to make it. And those people are still doing the same open mics that they were doing 20 years ago. But yes. the point is I saw so many of my friends come out here to LA and they were back in six months, Oh, yeah. sometimes six weeks. <clears throat> and it was because they weren't ready. They also weren't ready for the struggle that was about to happen. They thought 
I'm big in Kansas City, so I'm going to be huge in L.A. All, all I got to do is one or two sets. And it's like, no, nah, man. Yeah. It's a whole different deal. You can't tell jokes about the pitching machine in Kansas City. No. Like or no one, no or one, Metcalf yeah. or whatever the fuck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. You can't. And so, like, I watched all those people, and I was like, I'm not going to leave for L.A. until it's the last thing I can do. And I feel like that's probably what he was it on a bigger scale. It's like, don't leave until you have to. Yeah. I mean, I don't, again, I don't under, I understand why Rogan left. I do like the, the, just the tax, the tax alone thing. is good. But why a lot of people left LA, I don't really understand it. I don't understand why a lot of, a lot of people I don't I think left for the wrong reason. I think a lot of people are leaving because Joe left and yeah. because Joe said it's okay. And they were like, Well, if Joe's doing it, then if I follow him, I can also succeed. And maybe I'll run into Joe. Maybe I'll have him on my podcast. And I just go, That's not by the way, <sighs> I just want you to know that's not who Joe respects. Yeah. Like that's not Joe respects the guy that does live the the man or woman that lives their own life creates their own thing and then says here's what i'm doing yeah and then goes oh, i'm fascinated how did you do that it's it's such a silly like but but i i don't i don't have a problem with people leaving la and going i'm gonna go to nashville it's cheaper there's nothing going on for the next fucking two years i'm gonna do my own thing i get that but also like those people never wanted to be in LA in the first place. They just came out here because to them it was better than New York. Yeah, they picked LA or New York as opposed to like that's what that's why I always love when dudes started in different places. Like you'd run into people like you or Nikki Glazer or Tommy John again, or or like people that just go, I I just do the road and then I'm gonna fucking end up where I end up. Yeah, it's like I always looked at that and I I was just saying this to someone the other day. I was like. Those are the people that redefine comedy for me. When you'd go out, I remember the first time watching you perform and going like, who the fuck is this? And you're like, oh, this guy's got chops, man. This guy does it for a living. He's yeah. not a guy doing like eight minute sets in, in a fucking laundromat in Los Feliz. He's a guy who's doing 30 minutes on the reg every night, following, going up before murderers, and then now having murderers go up in front of him. Yeah. And and you go, that's the that's the comic you want to be. Fuck everyone's race. Like I remember going onto the road and people were like, why do you do the road so much? And I was like, dude, that's how you get good. Dude. I, I was in Tampa a couple years ago and I took it as a compliment, but also it was like the hardest weekend I've had in forever. Have you ever had to follow tricks? No The comic tricks. No, Googling he's in Vegas right now. now. Black dude. I'm telling you, I assume that based off the name, just, the, <laughs> but like genuinely funny, just like funny all the time, all the time. And they put him up in front of me. Cause they're like, we know of all people that you could follow him. Bert, the Friday night late show, you know, that table we all sit at at the Tampa improv. Yeah. The one right by the bathrooms. Where you stay, where you sit yeah, right yeah, before you yeah, go yeah, up. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting there and a woman and Trix is up there destroyed as he as he should and as he always does. And a woman came up to me and she goes, Are you next? And I go, Yeah. And she goes, How are you gonna follow that? <laughs> that's that's a person that does not know comedy, but knows fucking humor and but goes, knows, but also yeah. like 
Like, like the idea that, that an average person in the audience would go, would think that thought that shows you how good that person is. Yeah. And I was like, and I go, I, I, I don't know. And I, my, and I would, it got to the point during the weekend where I would be like, give it up for tricks. Ooh. Amazingly funny. You're probably wondering how I'm going to be funnier than that guy. <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to be as funny for periods, but <laughs> fucking buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I love tricks. Like he's a great dude, but it, it was like that weekend made me become a better comic. Cause I was like, I got to oh, worry yeah. about the next time tricks opens for me. I worked with a dude named damn fool. Okay. And boy, I had a hard time following him. Yeah. He was, I mean, he was, and it wasn't even like you couldn't shit on it. Like I, it's okay. If I can it's a shit brilliant, on it. Dude, if they're funny, they're funny. Yeah. Michael Malone, same way. Mike Malone's great. I had, he opened for me. Not only was he funny, but he was super clean at the time. Yep. He says fuck all the time now, but at the time he was super clean. John Christ. I remember walking on stage after Michael Malone and I was like, cause I'm watching him off stage and I was like, how do I let this audience know that things have changed? <laughs> So I literally did the most offensive joke I could right up top, which was a poor choice on my part. But I was like, I'm just going to let them know. Here's my problem with homosexuality. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can't remember what the joke was, but it was pretty dark. Yeah. And I remember I did the first joke and I hit the punchline. It was in Dayton and nothing happened. And then after about like a full two seconds, a girl goes, boo. Oh my God. <laughs> and like, but again, like that weekend I became, I learned a lot of you things. Learned. That's the fucking greatest part of this business is like, you know how many times I had to follow? I've, I've been followed. It's just at the store. It's like yeah. going up after Ralphie. And you're just like, oh, I yeah. remember one time going up after Ralphie. He's like, put your hands together. This next brother, he's a funny motherfucker, one of my best friends, Bert Kreischer. And he comes off and he opens the curtain. He goes, give me a minute. I'm getting a standing ovation. <laughs> and I went, huh? he goes, give me one. Oh, shit. You guys are too good. All right. One more joke. And I went, motherfucker. And they're yeah. all on, his, on their feet. And then he goes, all right. Good luck, player. And I was like, oh. Dude, you tell that story all the time about you opening for me and Aaron being there. And it all the time. It's one of my it's it's part of my life and it's one, one of my favorite stories ever but also on the opposite side of that you killed that show like that was not oh any yeah but i remember watching you that's one of those times and th there's a handful of people that you'll run into in this career where you go who the fuck is that like yeah or or, or you see them in a new light like i remember watching tony hinchcliffe one time tell a story about his parking garage and i was like you know you think tony's one thing because you know him as one thing like a, yeah like a, a a joke writer for you know jeff for and jeff and 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 all those all those roasts and then you see him tell a story and you're like god damn it i remember watching it for burr i remember watching burr transition out of what he was to what he is today i can tell you i remember all of it i remember being there there's just times as a comic where you sit back and go who the fuck is that i remember being with gary goldman we watched gary uh we watched uh daniel tosh for the first time and and gary goldman said I'm, i apologize if gary doesn't like the story but like <laughs> And sometimes I just talk so quickly. I yeah, yeah. forget that they're real people. And then they're like, <laughs> hey, man, I didn't say that. And you're like, whatever. Okay. But like, I remember Gary saying to me, um, 
we were dying laughing in the back and gary goes this guy works non-stop and i went what and he goes google his fucking tour dates and you're talking and about Burr? daniel tosh oh daniel tosh yeah and i went home that night and i looked at his tour dates and he was like he worked every fucking day yeah and i was like i remember and then i became friends with him and i was like i was like this is when you're young and you're like so wait how much money do you make at college and he just goes oh i make about seven hundred thousand dollars a year and you're like shit what? and you're like wait what yeah and he was like yeah then, you know like when you're young and you just don't know that you can't ask and you can't tell i remember one time going hey how much did you make for that commercial and he just wrote he just texted it back to me this is how much i made don't tell anyone yeah and i was like i was like fuck can i say this about tosh please one of the few people that made it big and became a cooler person he by the way he actually did well i i've, I've never i've never he wasn't a, a great yeah. person when he was not rich that being fair but like i remember he and i like i've known that dude since he was barely headlining he was a road guy he was definitely a road guy and i was supposed to feature for him one night in kansas city he brought his own feature and he like came up to me he was like we're gonna work it out and the workout was i wasn't working yeah and and then like years later when he was the biggest, like as big as he could be, I remember seeing him at the at the Comedy Magic Club, and he couldn't have been nicer. He was like, "Hey, man, how's it going? How's and like he remembered shit from the last time we talked." Yeah, and and Burr, like he and I became friends right as the thing happened, and he was like, he was very much like, "Hey, man, you're gonna experience this." It's going to be cool. And then like six months later, it's going to get weird. And Burr's still one of those dudes that I, I can text all the time. And he's the same person that he was pre Philadelphia story. Yeah. Yeah. Burr. Um, Tosh is an interesting dude because I've never, I've actually, I've never had anything but really great interactions with him. Yeah. Um, so I, I like so I always go like, but I do know that I know that people have said, and I, I felt this way about Dane. Dane got a lot more comfortable in his skin the more successful he got. He was a little easier of a person to be around for me. That must have been with you because it was <laughs> different with me. Like, like just recently has Dane. Like I remember right before pre Pandy, like just pre Pandy. Yeah, I walked off stage at the at the Lat Factory. And he was like, hey, man, you're funny. You've always been really funny. I just wanted you to know that. And that was the first time. Because, like, I remember Dane, like, during the height, and then he was like, he was like a Seinfeld-esque figure where, like, if he was at the improv, like, you didn't even talk to him. Like, you just let him walk by, and you were just happy that you were in his presence. Yeah. And then there was that period where he just sat in the corner and was on his phone until it was time to go up. Yeah. And then he would go and do an hour and bump like half this. And, and then that has all settled down to where he's just like a normal comic that yeah. when you walk off stage, he's like, great set, man. And you're like, what the fuck? Who the fuck are you? Yeah. I, but I, I think I'm also a different age. So like, I only know these guys as my age. So like, I don't, okay. I don't remember. I remember, I remember Dane blowing up. I remember him bumping people. But I, but that was the energy of everyone at that time. Yeah, that Carlos I was like, did that a yeah, lot. Yeah, and then you just were like, you were like, that's what people do, I guess. Yeah, I remember just 
and I had kids, but I, I was, I've never wanted to be that. Like even I've never bumped anyone. I've never bumped anyone. And to this day, I have never said to someone, I got to get out of here early. Yeah. If you text me, you tell me what time, like if I do two shows on the, at the, at the, at the, uh, store and it's like at eight o'clock, 10 o'clock, they're going to get, put me up last at the eight o'clock and then probably earlier at the 10 o'clock so I can get yeah. out. Cause I know I have kids. And so I go, cool. By the way, if they put me last at the 10 o'clock and last at the eight o'clock, I get that also. I understand that. I'm not going to be shitty about it. I also know that those are my spots. Yeah. And so I'm not, I, I don't really, I'm not going anywhere. I don't have anywhere to be. My kids are asleep. My wife's asleep. If you, this is when you need me, this is when you need me. I didn't, I never got the opportunity to bump people. I don't know when things go back to normal and we go to the store and all of a sudden you look at the lineups and you're like, I don't know any of these people. I'm going to fucking come in and bounce. Yeah. Maybe I would. I, I'm not saying I'm just trying to be accountable for like there was, shit. I don't know. There was definitely a time where like, if I could move the situation, I would. Oh, I've never, I've never been able to do it. I've never been able to do it. Like I just never had any clout. There was definitely a time during the last comic standing stuff where I remember walking into the improv and they're like, yeah, you have heat. You can go up. And I was like, well, that's a weird thing to say in front of somebody. <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, yeah, like there were definitely times where like if they're like, do you want to like, when am I up? And they're like in four. Do you want to go up earlier? I was like, well, yeah, if I can. Yeah. But I oh, never, if I could go. Oh, if anyone ever said, oh, yeah, 100 percent. If they're like, hey, man, I can get you out of here early if you want. You're like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah oh, give, fuck. Yeah. And by me. the way, I remember getting bumped by Jeff Dye one time. And and I remember just realizing this is where I'm at in my life. Yeah. I remember Carlos being like. And by the way, Jeff, just to be clear. Jeff didn't go get me out of here. They were like, hey, we got this guy here. Yeah. He's on Last Comic Standing. We think he's going to win. He wants to go up and do a spot. He's going to go up in front of you. Are you cool with that? And I remember just going like, that's where I'm at in my career. Yeah. yeah I, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, you got to you gotta take it for what it is. Like, Granted, if someone came up to me and was like, hey, this person wants to go up and I didn't respect their comedy, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go. But if they were like, hey... Oh, I've also bailed on spots where they go, hey, uh, just so you know, what's the name's going to go up? I'm like, cool. Just so you know, I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I'm very cool with that. That's happened a lot of the comedies, not lately, but like definitely during the Tommy days, like I'd show up and they'd be like, yeah, Carlos is doing 45. And I'd be like, okay, well, you're, you don't need me then. Yeah, I'm going to go home. Yeah. That's your, that's your honey pot. You got, you got that. And then by the time he's done, it's time for the fucking hopefuls to go up maybe the way we get rogan back to la is i just become unbearable at the comedy store i'm bumping people and i'm doing hours and then joe's like fuck that i gotta i gotta i gotta remind bert who he is and he knows you gotta back. steal people's material i start stealing people's steal people's material I, steal like girls material like what's up with my vagina <laughs> <laughs> hey guys what's so weird about people coming inside of you right <laughs> how come no girls talk about getting cummed in i think about that so much we should probably wrap this up. We've been going for fucking four hours, Are you, three hours. There's no way. Where are we at? Three hours. We should wrap this up. I okay. have a fucking brisket. Okay. Sorry. I have a brisket. By the way, I've just Googled. Uh, By the way, this is like a dream come true for me just because the first time we ever did this, like I showed up thinking it was just like a one hour regular. And yeah. I remember you being you weren't upset, but you were definitely disappointed because I was like, no, I have to go in like an hour. Oh, no. I, I always want, my my thing has always been, and it's changed a little bit with Zoom. 
there was a period where like I knew my I knew how long people listened to my podcast, especially on on YouTube. And I was like, and my my rate of attrition was like the longer the podcast, the more people listened, stuck around. Yeah. And I and I would say to people, I don't want people to think we didn't get along. Cause I don't like if I did an hour at the time, you remember this back in the day. If you did an hour, then it was like, oh, it wasn't a good podcast. He bailed. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want people to think I didn't like you. And it happened with Steve Burton. Like a lot of my good friends where I was like, and it just was like the podcasting I was into at the time was Rogan, right? I did five and a half hours on Rogan one time. Yeah. And you, it's like you come did you in. Do a, excuse me. Didn't you do an eight hour podcast at some point? Yeah. I've, yeah it's, I, it's, I've done, I've been like, and so I look back. Yeah. I regret those because those ones <laughs> were not sober and I don't know what I said. Like I look back and I go, I just talk shit to talk shit to fight with my friends sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I go, I don't know what the fuck I said. The, um, <laughs> the, but like, I always wanted them to go over an hour, especially yeah. in person ones. I feel like the conversation gets good. I feel like, especially these days, conversation is good. And then ultimately with every comic, we end up talking about cancel culture because it's such a hot button topic. And then I always want to get out of that and then keep going about like fun stuff for us. I just want yeah. it to be fun for us. And I don't get to hang out with a lot of people. So for me, I go, this is great. I get to fucking hang out with you for three hours and bullshit with you. And well, and I remember the first time, like, I didn't expect that. So I showed up, I was like, I have an hour and a half. And you're like, no, no, we don't really do three hours. And I had to, like, bail early. Oh, totally. But I totally and fine. I felt terrible. I know. I, I just always want people, I want the people listening to the podcast to go to fall in love with people. Because I, because yeah. I'm still the mentality. I got, it's that wrestling mentality. I got put over by Rogan. Rogan Joe put me over. Tommy put me over. Bill put me over. Yeah. Uh, Marin put me over. Those guys would have you on the podcast. They had huge podcasts at the time. You do them, and then all of a sudden, you like get some fans. Yeah, and I was always like, "That's fucking the coolest thing you can ever do." Bobby Kelly pointed that out to me, and he was like, "Man, um, I shouldn't." But I, but Bobby's like, "If we had someone in LA like Rogan that could put you over, then we'd have a lot of bigger careers out here." And I was like, right. oh, "I never saw it that way." And then I was like, "Oh, I want to make sure people are in the best light." So if people wanted to drink, people wanted to smoke, whatever I wanted. I like people want to come in and have a cigar. I go. I'd be in the, it'd be like 10 in the morning and Tom yeah. Rhodes would roll in and he's like, you want to have a cigar? And I'd be like, in my head, I'd be like, not at all, <laughs> but, but I want to have one. If you want to have one, like yeah. I want to, if you want to have a drink, I want to have a drink for sure. If you want to smoke weed? I want to smoke weed. If you want to talk reckless, I'm never going to shut you down. Yeah. I'm going to laugh along with you. I want, I just want you to have the best time you have. Cause that, that was Joe's mentality is like, come in. And he yeah. just was like. I got Heineken's for you. And you're like, oh, I love Heineken's. All of a sudden you're drinking a six pack of Heineken's, you're loose and you're all giggling. And you're like, that's what a podcast should be. Yeah. It should be fun as fuck. Joe Rogan has met me for the first time nine times. Uh I've I've told Joe Rogan the same story for the first time ten times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've told him about fighting a bear. Pro I on his podcast, I've told him I've told him about fighting a bear at least four times where he goes you fought a bear every time <laughs> you fought a bear and i always every time i go but you know he does so much he has so many people in his I'm face i'm not mad about it yeah at all. no i don't think it, i i've talked to i've talked to other people who said that and i go it's just it's just the one time that all of a sudden it clicks and he goes oh shit man yeah you know well i remember i did a spot at the main room yeah and which is rare for me and uh joe rogan came back to the gray room and asked my girlfriend at the time it was like is he new 
<laughs> I was just like, no, not at all. I would have just rolled with it. I remember, yeah. I remember talking to someone one time who was like, hey, man, this is, good, this is a good friend of Joe's now. He was like, hey, man, you got to introduce me to Joe. You got to introduce me to Joe. And I was like, I was like, I, I, that, that, that's not how that works. Like, I, you can't just, I can't just go. It's, that's not, it's like, it's like, he's a real person. You're a real person. We're all real people yeah. in this business that is very real. And there's no like fucking thumbs upping someone. It's like, and I was like, you're fucking hilarious, man. Like Joe's gonna see you do stand up. Yeah. He's gonna go like one day and he goes, but he's seen me. I go, ignore it. I go fucking ignore it. Like, yeah, he's seen a lot of people. One day yeah. he's just gonna, he'll be done his show. He'll take a hit of weed. He'll sit in the back. He's gonna see you and go, you're the funniest fucking guy in the world. Man, sure enough, like two weeks later, it happened. And I wanted to say to him, I was I was like, hey, can you say thank you to me? <laughs> like, I could have made the most awkward conversation happen with him. But also, I told, you're I, welcome. I, I literally said to him, can you tell me I know more than you do? I said that to him. I go, tell me I know more than you. I know more than you do. And he was yeah. like, but it's, uh, it, dude, without a fucking doubt, you, you are one of the funniest dudes working. And I don't, I, I by the way, I have a sh very short list of guys that I go, there's, there's two lists. There's guys that are killing it in the business. There's guys that are killing it on podcasts. There's guys that are selling themselves well. And then there's straight up comics that fucking murder guys that legit have the craft down. Those are the people ultimately that I fucking hang my hat on at the end of the day where I go, that's who I respect guys where I go. That's a masterful story. I look, I love podcasting. I love social media. I love all that shit. But when it comes in the, the day, whew, you tell that story of bringing that dude that that pitcher guy back to your house. Oh, Verlander, uh, dude, and I'm I'm crying, laughing, going. That's one of the best stories I've ever heard. Man, and, I, and, and and the fact that I go that I'm sitting back there, and I I'm a pretty good storyteller. The fact that I'm sitting in the back, going like, God damn it, man, you're not using tricks. Like you're not using yeah. the tricks that I see people use. I know the tricks. I don't want to call the people out on the tricks, but I know the tricks. And when I hear the trick, you lose me. You yeah. lose me totally. For sure. If you don't, if this isn't original and real, the hard work, the hard work, the uphill battle is making a story original, real, and your own thing where people go, God damn it, that's a good fucking story. I think of that story. I think of that story so often. I think of that, and then you that same night going, all right, I hung out with my buddy. He told me that I that he there's some jokes that he hasn't heard me tell in a while. And I'm gonna tell him tonight. I don't normally do this. And everyone started going fucking uh taco bell and yeah, you were like yeah. and I, the look on your face and you looked over the corner in omaha and you were like shut the fuck up for real and you and do you know I, where i got that also i stole that you you told me about this you stole, I stole that from that john panette yeah uh i don't feel bad about it because i'm not stealing a joke i'm just stealing a setup dude yeah fucking but uh when i it, i was a host ian bag was the feature and john panette was the headliner columbus ohio what a murderous lineup. That's a mur like to date, probably one of the best lineups I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Uh I uh John Panette would do 45 minutes of brand new material that would devastate. Oh. And then he would say, I have some friends in town that asked me to do an old bit. I don't normally do it anymore. Here it is. And he would do the killer whale buffet joke. There wasn't a friend at you know, you know sh anybody in Columbus, but it was just a way. He was like, "I know you want to hear this, so here it is," and he did it. And I was like, "There's no better way to get into a bit than that you don't do anymore than that." 
I wouldn't be shocked if I stole that every now and then. <laughs> Dude, st- like, and I don't I, think John would be mad about it because it's just a way to frame a bit that you've already written. Yeah. And it was, yeah. So I, look, man, I, I've been doing this shit since I was 19 years old. And it's just, it, it, it means the world to me that when people like you or anybody, uh, think that I'm in that echelon. Oh, you're, you're what? 1%. Like, I mean, for real, no, no joke. Watching you stand up's one of my favorite things. And that's a short list for me. There's a lot of people that are, that are big names that I just, I just tap out and I go, uh, yeah. One of the biggest comments I ever had was watching Rich Voss on someone might've been your podcast. Uh, my, yeah. My name came up and he was like, I watched his whole set at a dirty at 1230. So that means I didn't even go on to one fifteen. Yeah. So if Rich stuck around till two, watch me like, that's one of the biggest compliments I've ever received. Especially in my those guys like those, those hard knock new york dudes yeah who've seen it all and they've just and they're so bitter like they're so like ah fuck that guy dude one of the greatest compliments i've had in my career two twice uh once dave Chappelle or not dave Chappelle, david oh tell <laughs> sorry by the way by the way interchangeable for me dave Chappelle and a david tell compliment i'll take either or david tell call I, I i can tell you to this day i was driving across the golden gate bridge heading into san francisco david tell called me he goes Hey, did I steal these two jokes for me? Yeah. It's a great compliment. And then, uh, where was I going with this? Uh, second one was, was fucking rich boss being like, I watched his whole set. Yeah. He was, Oh no, I'm sorry. Let's back up. Nick DiPaolo. Yeah. His lounge lizards special. Was the first special that my friends and I in high school like so, quoted to each so other? So inside baseball, no one listening to this real like that's like that's my favorite thing about this podcast. His lounge lizards and I go, I know, I know this. You know exactly what exactly I'm talking you're talking about. It was like the first thirty minute special of yeah. Comedy Central. Yep, his lounge lizards, lizards was the first special that my friends and I. I remember being at a fucking convenience store in Lenexa, Kansas. And a dude smiled and he had no teeth. And he, and he, my buddy dropped a fucking Nick DiPaolo line about like sleeping on a Heineken bottle or something. (laughs) I've quoted that. I've quoted that special. I've quoted that special to Nick. For sure. And like to the point where when I finally got to open for Nick DiPaolo at Stanford and Sons in Kansas city in Westport, I asked him to do a bit and then he did it and he didn't even know why. He goes, why did I do that bit? I go, cause I asked you to. Yeah. But I remember walking off stage after my first set in Kansas city, opening for Nick DiPaolo, my dream gig at the time. Yeah. And Nick DiPaolo going great set. And I was like, thanks man. He goes, you want to open for me? Or no, he goes, do you like opening for me? And I go, yeah. He goes, good. Cause it's never going to fucking happen again. <laughs> I was about to say that the, the first one was like, that doesn't sound like Nick. I go, the second one. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking so Nick. Goes, oh, that's and fucking I, and I, was, Nick. I was fucking heartbroken. I'm like, yeah. what? And he goes, <laughs> he goes, man, I've been doing comedy for 14. At the time he was like, I've been doing comedy for 15 years. 
Yeah. I don't need to fucking follow you every night. <laughs> fucking work. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, you're an amazing comic. This is the last week we'll ever work together. <laughs> and to this day, if I see Nick DiPaolo, he's like, fucking Chris Porter. Doug Stanhope, same way. He went on Rogan yeah. and uh, blamed me for the worst week he's ever had in stand-up comedy. Oh, I can see that. I can see that. And and to the point where he even quoted the jokes he made about me. Like he's Chris Portier because they did a joke about New Texas. Like we were going to take over France and call it New Texas. Yeah. And uh, which, by the way, I think is a joke I sold off the Tonight Show. To be fair, <laughs> uh, not the not the France part, but the New Texas part, I definitely stole. Yeah. Uh, and I would, I would, I remember we were in Miami. I did the Def Jam show the night before because Gary Maggie was still my booker at the time. Yeah. So he just looked at, he goes, you need to be there Tuesday. So I show up Tuesday night and they're like, yeah, we don't need you till Thursday. Tuesday and Wednesday are Def Jam shows. Oh, shit. And I'm just young enough and yet achieved enough to where I was like, yeah, I'll do Def Jam shows, no problem. So Wednesday, Tuesday night, they don't let me up. Wednesday night they let me go up and I kill it. Yeah. I was that was still when I was doing the Greyhound. Did you ever hear about the Greyhound? No. I would walk him on stage to a notorious B.I.G. song and go, let's get naked. And I'd take off my shirt and I was super skinny. Yeah. And I'd go, I go, and no one would take off their clothes and it would get weird and the music would stop. And I go, all right, well, here's my impression of a Greyhound. And I get up on the stool. <laughs> And suck in my gut, and all the ribs would show. I'd look like a grand. It would oh, destroy. Fucking, yeah. They're like, hey, this kid's going to be here tomorrow night. So, literally, like, I'm not kidding. Like, 20, 30 people from the Def Jam show show up oh, and watch shit. me go up, and I destroy again. And then Doug goes up and does his show. And it's very different. Very different. <laughs> and people start walking out. And I'm like, meanwhile, I'm crying laughing. Like, oh, to yeah. this day, Doug Stanhope's my favorite stand-up comedian. Doug Stanhope, the way he does stand-up is such an interesting, like his his last special, and I don't, I, don't, I don't know, I just watched him run it at the store. One of my favorite, he would take a bit that would seem like a, a tried and true kind of borrowed, boring bit, yeah. and he would just reinvent it in a way. Louis did that. Louis and him are the two guys where they would take something where you were like, for real? Yeah. And then go, what the fuck? For sure. And like he, I would laugh. I was crying laughing. And then he, like people were walking out going like, you're so much funnier this guy. And I, like, even at the time I was uh, like, y'all don't know comedy. I've seen, I've been that guy where you're sitting in the, you're sitting in the meet and greet. And they're like, you're fucking hilarious. That guy sucks. And you're like, uh, you're not really a big, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't know anything. No, you just don't. Know and you're like, maybe I need to change the way you I do it. You literally just watched Miles Davis. And you're yeah. and you and you say it's terrible. Uh, I remember people doing that with me and Louie, and they're like, "You're funny. That guy's not funny." And I was like, "Ooh, I'm not doing it right then." Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think I'm a little hacky, is what you might have just said to me, dude. Stand up's first night when I opened for him in Miami, he literally just put his CDs in a box and left them in the lobby to see if anyone would just take one. Stanhope definitely. He so he told he had a joke that was probably twenty years old that I heard and I started giggling at yeah. the other night and I went, yeah, Stanhope's my. You can way, listen to Sicko today. 
And that album's probably 18 years old at this point. Stanhope is, is, I will say this. He's one of my favorite human beings alive. I would, 100%. I would, I would say that he is, uh, I don't talk to him a, a lot. Nope. But when I do, we catch up like best friends. He used to call me drunk and be like, hey, man, I just want you to know that I love you. We should call Stanhope right now. That's let's a good way to let's have a let's have one more drink. Okay. We'll kill the bottle. Can I pee? We'll, yeah, go pee. All right, where's that at? Uh right back there. Let me I'm gonna call and check on my brisket. Okay, go pee. Can I tell you, I love being in love with my wife. Like I'm very lucky in that I didn't I didn't plan on being in this in love with her. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I just met her and I thought she was cool. And like little things she did I thought were neat. And I was interested in the way I wasn't with other women. Like she wanted to watch Philadelphia story and make brownie Sundays one time. And I was like, exactly. That's what I thought. I was like, what the fuck? And then she was like, come on. And I was like watching it. And I was like, oh, I never watched an old movie before. And then I looked at everything in my wife's room and I was like, oh, my wife kind of lives like an old lady. Like she's got old people's shit, like a, like a quilt. And, yeah. like a, and I was like, oh, this makes sense. And then, like, certain things, like, she loved, one of my biggest hiccups with her was she loved watching America's Funniest Home Videos. And I, <laughs> I could not watch it. As a really? Comic, as a comic, I was like, I'm funny, but that's, like, bullshit funny. Yeah. And, boy, I watched one episode, and I was crying, laughing. Dude, you can't. It's so, you can't beat it's it. It's amazing. It's, it's jackass. It's ridiculousness. ridiculousness. It's Tosh.0. Oh. It's yeah. all of it way it's ahead the of its time. And I and I I I look I sometimes look at her and I go I think to myself I can't believe I still love you, like that yeah. that I'm like this indie or that like when she goes I go hey can you pick me up she goes Ugh. like the yeah. I did it <laughs> it's so crazy yeah the last two girls I've dated were the first two where I was like oh I could literally spend my life with you and they were like no we're good yeah I've had a lot of those yeah <laughs> I've had a lot I probably had a lot of chicks that I was like. Like I know one, I could name, I can name, I can name three right now. One was in eighth grade. I was like, <laughs> was like I could spend my life with you, and and now I look and I go, I was no. like, I probably could have still spent my life with you. I just don't know who the fuck you are. No, mine were literally the last three years. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You think you get married? Yeah, I hope so. Kids? Yeah. You'd be a great dad. I think so. You'd be a great dad. I uh, for the longest time I was like, you know, as a traveling comic, it's literally your worst fear. Mm-hmm. just because you, you don't want to have to go to Evansville, Indiana more than you need to. And uh, then I, I met one girl and I was like, no, I'd put a kid in you immediately. And oh, she, that was she, mine. Put a she, kid in someone. I can do that a lot easier than I can commit. I literally offered a girl a baby three months ago. When we got pregnant with Georgia, I don't know exactly when, but I remember that period being very cool with it and being like if she gets pregnant i have no problem with that i actually was like i hope she gets pregnant before i ask her to marry me yeah because and george by the way georgia doesn't know ooh, i shouldn't put this, <laughs> <laughs> this is bad but georgia what doesn't up? know that, georgia doesn't know that we were pregnant before we got married with her she's done that math there's she's no never, way she ever because my dad and this was 1954 never when my dad was born my mom, my grandma, my grandpa had like a big meeting and she was like, and my grandma was sobbing and she goes, Scott, you were 
conceive before wedlock. And dad's like, yeah, I figured that out. Like fucking Georgia has three never, years Georgia ago. has never figured it out. Mike, Isla, Isla one time was like, wait. And we were like, just passed through it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. I, uh, it was, I remember, oh, I remember being so excited to have Georgia. I remember being so excited. Dude, I remember. So the girl, there. there's one in particular that I was like, oh, this is the one. Yeah. And then she was like, mm. and uh, then she called me and she was like, I'm worried about getting the vaccine because it might affect my ability to conceive. And I was like, I'll give you a fucking baby right now. <laughs> and then I'll put one in right now. Like, and it was the first, like, even as the words came out of my mouth, I was like, why? Like, are you sure? Because until that woman, literally until that woman, really. Yeah. I was like, it was the biggest fear I've ever had. I've, I I wonder if I could have gotten, I, I would love to make a list of people I would have gotten pregnant. Just like if you could just get people pregnant and just be like, I want to have a baby with this person. Do you There's, want to hear the conversation I had? Because yeah. I saved it because I'm trying to make it a bit. Oh, actually. I would love to. So <laughs> I go, I was basically like, I've been, because Zach Myers' kids are some of the coolest kids on the planet. They're adorable. By the way, he let us, I, you got to give a shout out to Zach Myers. He let us stay at his house. Yeah. When we were on the road, he knew he knew what it was like being on the road and he was like pull your tour bus in we got a hook up everything's there everything's and and he set us up he was like i got steaks in the freezer my here's my shoe place feel free to instagram from it like yeah. it was fucking the greatest dude zach so zach myers how we met he reached out to me on twitter and was like hey man i'm a i'm a guitarist for this band that you barely heard of because uh, then then at that then, point yeah, at that yeah point. but also like that's not my style of music. And I watched them play live. It was dude, they're awesome. an they're literally the greatest awesome. band I've ever seen play live. And anywho, uh we went to breakfast. He was like, Hey man, I'm a big fan. I think we'd have fun hanging out. And like after one breakfast, I was like, I've known you for 30 years. He's he's a very uh a very gregarious person in that he doesn't have a lot of walls up and he lets you know that. And yeah. he goes, and just so you know, I'm, I'm not cool with walls. I can be a friend. You want to be friends? Let's be friends. Yeah, yeah. And this is how friends should work. And but it, also it's if one I don't coolest. like you, I'm going to tell you immediately. Yeah. It was, a, but he's a very fucking solid dude. His children are very Southern children. Very yeah. like, may I have this? How are you? Mr. Chris, blah, yeah. blah, blah. So I'd been, and I, I'd, I'd been working for like eight weeks straight and I had a weekend off. I was like, Zach, I'm coming to see you. He's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. So I, I text this girl. I go, I've been hanging with Zach's kids all weekend, and I'd like to renew my offer to have a baby with you. <laughs> and she sent me, she goes, send me a picture of you as a baby. And I, <laughs> I sent her three solid ones. Like, yeah. look at, like this one, I, like, I'm fucking. Good looking, sharp dressed kid. Sharp dressed kid. What? I have a cigarette dangling out of my mouth. Yeah. It's not lit. It's 1979. No one yeah. gives a shit. She goes, <laughs> what's she saying? Send me some pics of your sister now. <laughs> she goes, not cute enough. Sorry. <laughs> and I was like, cause I know she's lying. I know when people are lying. I yeah. was like, you shouldn't be, I, you shouldn't lie just to hurt somebody. <laughs> I go, I'm cute as fuck in these photos. I know it. You know what America knows. She said, but if I have a cue that kid, it'll be 
it'll be kidnapped. I'll be just, dis- I'll be fucking devastated. I was like, yeah. you can't live in fear. <laughs> and then she was like, you'll lose your kid because you get high all the time. And I was like, not for long. <laughs> Even sober parents lose their kids. Yeah. Like there's shows designed around that. Anyway, so she was like, I'm going to have a kid with my best friend because, like, it won't be difficult. Like, it won't be weird. Oh. And I said, well, have fun with your ugly ass kid. I would love to have, like, four more kids with women I don't know yet. I would, but, but Leanne's also with done. This Leanne girl, doesn't want Leanne doesn't want kids. I more kids. I get it. I totally you get have it. Two. I have two. I would love. I would love to have had two extra ones. That's so weird because it's usually the opposite. Usually the mom wants more kids and the dad's like, I fucking put enough in you. No. I. Uh, what are the odds Stanhope has Facetime? I. What are the odds Stanhope's still awake? He's awake. Stan. I spelt it wrong. Doug Stanhope has does not have FaceTime. There's no way. He does not have FaceTime. How the fuck is that pot? He's got Skype. Who the fuck has Skype and not FaceTime? All right. And it's it's blue. We'll wrap it up. We'll right. we'll, we'll call Stanhope. He'll definitely answer. You're on live with Tracy, Olivia Grace, and Dave Raider. Hello. You're on live with Burt Kreischer and Chris Porter. Ah, Chris Porter. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy, I love you. We're drinking tequila, and uh, nice. and we're telling stories about you and how we love you as a comic and as a person. Hey, did you hear Ron White quit drinking? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, Was that a health yeah, thing? or? He did, like, according to Rogan, and Rogan didn't ask any follow-up questions that i would have was uh he went to the doctor and the doctor said you gotta put the brakes on this so he was it went to costa rica and did two ayahuasca fucking treatments and was sober for 60 days wow holy shit doug have you ever done ayahuasca yeah once with rogan jesus by the way i had so (laughs) many fucking questions about this i didn't know that who did I just talk to today? And they're like, yeah, Ron White quit drinking. And I was like, shut the, oh, Joey Diaz. I didn't know that it was yeah. like doctors, like you got to put the brakes on. Yeah. I just, uh, I had just uh, talked to Jordan Zevon, who I've like known through social media, Warren Zevon's kid. Yeah. And I remember like, he, he, like he sent me a picture of pop-up vodka and saying, Hey, I'm with you with the pop-up vodka. And I'd never re- talked to him in real life. And I asked him the other day to be on the podcast. He goes, yeah, I'm probably not interesting anymore because I had to quit drinking. And I, he, But here's my number. And I called him. I go, I'll tell you if you're interesting or not. And he went through this whole, like, it was a 45-minute phone call that would have been a perfect podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. Fucking <laughs> cirrhosis. Like, all right, all right, all right. I got I to gotta, I gotta end this conversation. We're drinking tequila right now. And I'm, I'm going to end up walk thinking about this in the middle of the night. My liver levels are good right now. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, well, we went through that, like how much he drinks. Like, but he was the guy that leaving Las Vegas, waking up, drinking to get the shakes off and then drinking throughout. Like he was not sober ever. Oh, I spend I spend at least uh, 50% of my day sober, I think. What's your go to drink nowadays, Doug? Uh, my go-to is always a vodka soda splash of uh, grapefruit, but uh, mm. I, I do like to close on a 
fat-free uh, white Russian. <laughs> white Russian. Well, can I just say that I miss you and I love you? I love you too, Chris Baltera. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to finish these drinks. We just wanted to call and tell you we love you. Do you, do, do you know the Chris Porter story about that's That was the genesis of that nationalism bit was following him in Miami. No. And he was doing this fuck the French bit. And I'm like, yeah, like, like we saved our ass. <laughs> like that, that, that was in defiance of fucking Chris Porter. Oh, he told me about Miami. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the bit that became the bit. It's the national. Like I don't think I have a, a more memed tweet than the nationalism bit, which is, <laughs> you know, inspired by Chris Porter. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're wrapping this up. I love you. I miss you. I'll talk to you later. Same here, buddy. Right, buddy. Love you. Bye. Bye. Fucking Doug Stanhope. If you told me when I started this business, I'd be friends with Doug Stanhope. I'd be a very happy fucking comedian, dude. Uh, the fact that I have Chris Robinson's cell phone number is, is fucking insane. Because there was no one that was. I used to do a podcast with his ex-wife, Allison. <laughs> no, the other one didn't. Wasn't he married Kate? to? Yeah, yeah. Kate oh, Hudson. yeah, yeah. Kate. Yeah, I used to do a podcast good. with Kate Hudson and Oliver Hudson, sibling rivalry, rivalry, whatever. So Kate uh, is super cool, and, and her and Chris were super cool. Yeah, she, was, Kate, she had mentioned it, and I was like. She's like my ex and I, and I was like, I know who your ex is. Kate's super go like she shows up. They they'll show up to like the last thing was at the Wiltern the as the crow flies, which was Chris's Black Crows cover band, basically. Yeah. And I I brought my agent with me, who's a huge Crows fan, TJ. Yeah. And Buckwater. Yeah. Love TJ Buckwater. He's literally one of, my, the, one of my favorite dudes in the business. One of the greatest people on the planet. One, so, of, the, one of the greatest dudes in the business has gotten more raw deals than anyone in this business. For sure. But also it's like, he couldn't be happier. He's the sweetest guy in the fucking world. I love TJ. For sure. I so love TJ. Uh, I brought him with me and all of a sudden, Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn, Kate Hudson, and Oliver, they all show up. And the vibe of the whole place changes. And, uh, and I just remember at one point, Kurt Russell was like literally just blocking a doorway. And I, and I, and I sat there for a good literal five minutes, like waiting for him to move. And then I just finally grabbed him by the shoulders and moved him. And you would have thought I was assaulting you. He, <laughs> he, he gave me a look like the fuck are you doing? I was like, Hey man, I'm just trying to get to the joint. Like yeah. I know where the joint is. So Kurt yeah. Russell, uh, yeah. Oliver, Oliver Hudson is, uh, one of my favorite dudes to talk to, like really, I, I he I did him and Joe Buck did my podcast, and then I did a podcast with him and his sister, and I really got along with that dude. And I was like, he's a straight like as much success and fun as he's had, he's just a regular dude, regular dude, and fun and fucking cool and funny. I really like that guy. I, I chose to do. I, I'm not. I was. It's, it's out of my comfort zone to do a podcast with my sister. So I. I I look like an abuser because I overtalk people. Yeah, and if yeah. it's my sisters and I just look misogynistic. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, no, I'd do it because I, I like Oliver that much. And then and I, I didn't know I mean I knew Kate did the podcast with him, but you know, she's like a she's like, huge. Yeah. And I, I was Superstar. like and she was like fucking a, do a podcaster. She was yeah. like a legit podcaster. I was like, fuck yeah. It was great, man. Dude, even when when Kate comes and hangs out at the, those crows things and the Chris Robinson things. She's just another chick, man. Like, like 
the all the vibe is cast by other people. Yeah. But she's literally like, hey man, what's up? How are you? Yeah. Like she's the coolest girl in the world. Well, cheers, brother. Thank cheers. you for doing this with me. Dude. This has been a blast. This has been because you know the first time I fucked it up. So to be able to do the like, let's hang out for a fuck couple hours and drink it up has been huge. We'll wrap this up. I'll go show you my gym and my my sauna. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> awesome, brother. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.